What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Irvine, Dayton, Seattle, Richmond. Today's guest, one of the original outlaws of comedy, Jimmy Schubert. Go to BurtBurtBurt.com. Get a shirt. This is the BurtCast. Pretend yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, just try to talk into the mic. Can you hear you can hold it. You can hold it if you want. If it's, it might be easier for comics sometimes yeah. to hold it. Yeah. This is, there we go. In the man cave today is a guy I met when I've been doing stand-up. Maybe... Oh, fuck. Maybe like six months? Oh, really? No, no, no. Yeah. No, I've been doing it six months, officially six months. And I came down to Tampa. Do you remember this story at all? No. I no. came down to Tampa and I was a hot shot. I had a fucking development deal at Fox. I was discovered by Will Smith. I rolled into Size Splitters and I said, uh, yeah, I'd like to do a guest set. And I was, that's how it worked in New York, you know? Right. And I was like, uh, and they're like, uh, you got to run it by, we got to run it by the headliner. And they walked over to you, and you were sitting at the bar, and you kind of nodded. And then they were like, yeah, he said it's okay. And so I walked over, and it was you. Right. And you were sitting at the bar, and I said, hey, man, I'm Bert. And you said, hey, Jimmy Schubert. And I went, hey, so uh, so yeah. so and I, and I think I started like bragging about like whatever the fuck was going on in my career. Right. And you were like, yeah, yeah, well. Uh, and you were really like, now I know what that feeling is. I, for the longest time, I couldn't place that feeling. And then and you were like, yeah, yeah, well, you know, Hollywood's a weird place. They got a lot of hopes out there, kid. Don't get your hearts attached to them. <laughs> and, you're, and I was like, yeah, you're like, just worry about your seven minutes tonight. And I went up and ate a dick. I ate a dick so hard. <laughs> and size splitters. Do you remember that by any chance? Man, you know, I, I, look, I'm always... I'm all. I know that I'm always really nice to like new comedians, yeah, or guys that are starting, or guys that come up and are doing. I'm always just nice, and I never, I never tell a guy he can't sell stuff. I yeah. never tell a guy he can't do guest that's sets. That's an interesting. That's an interesting perspective because there are dudes that like Ian well, Bag is because his, well, the, the, look, I, I, I guess. It depends. I'm not going to stand there and sell like merch next to a guy selling a who farted T-shirt. I'm sorry, <laughs> that's not happening. But, uh, but uh, you know, it's just it's. I don't feel. I don't feel comfortable taking money out of a guy's pocket, especially now when you guys almost have to sell stuff to be able to make a living, yeah. to be able to develop and go on the road and do stuff. So I, I kind of, I've always been, uh, I've always been really nice to the guys who like ask advice or come up. So I, I never, I've never really said no. But I, I kind of, now that you bring it up, I kind of do remember. But that's happened a couple times at that club. People I remember always, there was like a, there was a, um, I, me- I want to say this is now this is a speculation, but I want to say you said. At that time, that you had had a deal at Fox. Yeah, I had a couple deals at Fox. I had a couple and, deals at Fox. I shot a pilot. I, I mean, you know, the thing was, and I'd been through what they call development hell. God. And I, and then after you go through it, you go, oh, that's why they call development. Hell. I mean, they give you a big check. Yeah. And you get a couple big checks, and you go, this is fantastic. I had one. They gave me another one. I mean, I, I shot a pilot. I mean, we were working on another pilot, and it was just, it was just uh, that was an interesting time because they were like there was. I think they gave a lot of the deals out. And 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 I think a lot of the guys they gave deals to, I mean you know president company excluded. There were some guys like you know uh, I know uh, Carlos Mencia had a deal, but he co- he couldn't act, and they tried, they told yeah. him say hey, get in, get in, and, and so that deal and, and other people like you know I, I uh, you know I know uh, some other guys who had deals that kind of 
weren't able to like it was a great time it was almost like it must have been like what it was like in the 80s to be a crab fisherman well like before the before there were tv shows about it and <laughs> you could just go up there and make fucking 50 grand well, and you know, get hookers well it's interesting because i went up and uh i cra- i was living in florida at the time i was living uh you know after sam kinnison had died uh and i was to- i toured with him for like five years i moved to florida because there was so much work down there and i took a job i believe it or not as a house mc and i got to do stand-up like six nights mm-hmm. Where? At a place called Haggerty's in Boca Raton. You were living in Boca Raton? Yeah, yeah. Uh, This is what, 90? Well, it's probably like 92. Dude, are you fucking kidding me? I was going to Boca Raton like every weekend back then because I was dating a girl who was Miss Boca. Well, that's. uh, Well, I was dating a girl who was not Miss Boca. And, uh, but she was pretty hot. And. uh, Grab my phone and turn it off. Keep going. I'm sorry. uh, Yeah, yeah. so. yeah, but I was a little, I, I kind of went out there to, to uh, you know, just to kind of get perspective and clear my head, you know, uh, and I wound up crashing Montreal, the Montreal Comedy Festival, and I just went up there with a reporter who was going up to cover it for the Sun Sentinel, and had a couple buddies of mine come up with a camera just to kind of like document it, and I was yeah. going up there, and I talked to the guy that runs the room over there, Jimbo, uh, uh, Jimbo's in Montreal, and he said, yeah, yeah, you can come up here, he goes, you know what, why don't you come up and headline the week before the festival and I'll give you some money and then you can and anytime you want to go on so I thought that was cool when I managed to get into the festival I got like did a guest set and like a bubbling show and, and, I, yeah. and I did that like three years in a row and they finally invited me up but every time I went up and crashed the festival <clears throat> I was so successful I think the first year I crashed I got a pilot second year I crashed I got a development deal and the third year I went up and crashed I got, a, got another development deal Holy shit! That's and I fucking. Wasn't, I wasn't even invited. I mean, I and I, but I was able to get on the show. I was able to get. I got on new faces. I got a new faces with Brandon Tartikoff. Brandon Tartikoff walked right up to me after my set, and I, I mean, you know what the weirdest thing was? There was a reporter there to record all this. I mean, that's Brandon I, Tartikoff was the famed head of NBC. Well, yeah, he was a famed head of NBC, but he also had uh, his knack was spotting people who had something that you could turn into. Uh, a TV show. I mean, he yeah. found Michael J. Fox, and he was a you know big guy, Brandon Tartikoff. I mean, I was kind of blown away, but he came up to me after a set, and and a bunch of people wanted to talk to me. After, as soon as he left, a bunch of people came up to me. And it was like it was yeah. the weirdest thing, and I wasn't even invited. I mean, it, it was weird. And That's got to be such a great fucking feeling. Yeah, and the next year I went up. I, I went up with Gary Valentine. Gary Valentine. <laughs> GV, uh, one of my favorite human beings alive. Oh, dude, I love GV, man. He's a he's a he's a he's a gas. One of the funniest guys. That's by the way. By the way, not to, but that is how I met you. Was through Gary. Oh, because okay, we started yeah, yeah. we started playing golf out at Robinson Ranch. Oh, that's right. That's and, right. Yep. Yeah, and, and I st- it's so funny because I, I I'm a pretty avid golfer. We I was just with uh, Gary Valentine and Jackie Flynn. Who <laughs> yeah. I, yeah Jackie Flynn. Every time I saw Jackie Flynn, Bert, gay or not gay, I can't remember which one it is. <laughs> Jackie. Not gay, Jackie. Jack, not, not gay. gay. Not gay. Not gay. Not gay. Thanks, okay, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> I, I do a podcast with him called T to Grin, which is a golf themed podcast. But Shut anyway, the fuck up. Yeah, yeah but we mean, mean, uh, me I'm going to tell you something. Don't let me forget, but I'm going to tell you something that I think you guys should do right. that, uh, that me and Tom Segura are doing. Right. That I'm going to talk to you about after, but that's a really, I'm telling you when okay. I say, right, okay, cool. keep going, keep going. So we, uh, so uh, I just I just we were da- we were just down in Greenville, Mississippi, for my buddy uh, Steve Azar has a, a golf celebrity, and we won. My team won. Really, best round. Of, we were like we were like nine uh, eight under on the front and eight under on the back. We were like we were like uh, sixteen under. We shot like a fifty six. We won the Holy tournament. Shit! I, I, the first first round of golf, I was with a scramble. We were playing a scramble for but everybody 
was a, a baller. Everybody could play. I mean, everybody was, we were we were always on the green around the pin. It was just p- picking the putt, and then really, yeah. So it was it was probably one of the best rounds of golf I, I've had in a long time. But I won. We won. My team won. So I got a nice little trophy, Mississippi mud, but it's one of those interstate <laughs> kind of thing. But it's the Delta Soul Class, guys. I'm just figuring out how I'm going to mount it on my wall. But uh, but yeah, man, uh, that that's funny. Yeah, GV. Me and GV used to run. That comedy club down there in Boca, Haggerty's. We would go down there because he, con- he had his, a condo down there. He his lived family there. lived down there, right? Yeah, his, mo- his mom and dad lived down there. His sister lived down there, and and I used to golf with him down there. You know, you know, Kevin would come down and we yeah. play golf and ha- hang out and stuff. Yeah, for a while there, that was like the that was the place. I mean, you know, there was so much work in Florida at that time. There was just that's I, what everyone says. And I mean, I, you like, could literally make a living and never leave the state of Florida. I, I mean, that's if you factored in cruise ships. And there was at that time there were some uh, gigs and uh, the Cayman Islands. Islands and St. Thomas. I Sweet. Mean, I, Let's backtrack for a second because okay. because I, I've I've known I've known you since fucking ninety eight ninety nine right. technically because right. of that interaction. Right. Then I moved to uh, to what you call started doing L A and do, started doing the X show with Gary Valentine. Oh, that's right. And that's then right. through right. that started golfing with you. But then even better is I got I would get um uh I, more I think I would say more personality comparisons to you. Like, do you remember? Uh, do you remember? Um, do you remember? Because we're both lunatics and yeah. have our minds. I'll never forget <laughs> Kel- Kelly Kelly Moran. Kelly Moran. Oh my God, Kelly God, Moran. God rest his soul. Fuck, Kelly Kevin Kevin his brother the yeah. one that where they would always comb his hair. Yeah, yeah. Kevin <laughs> Kevin was they were like wow. I, I think they're I don't think we're speaking too much out of school right now, but because Kelly died of a drug overdose, but yeah, but yeah, they did. were they were eating pills like crazy at the time. Well, they were they had, you know the yeah. You know, there's, look, and I'm, I'm nobody to throw any stones. Me I, either. I live, I live in a, I've done my share. And my, <laughs> my guardian angels have been working overtime around the clock at three sets of wings, you know, a couple part-time guys. I got, and the, I got sodas in there if you want a soda or nice. anything. So, uh, yeah, Kelly Moran, a real good friend of mine, really one of, a really great guy to hang out with. Yeah. He's a funny guy, super funny guy. And, uh, yeah, we lost him, you know. I, that's a, I, you know, I, it was a tough, like, you know, as a, you know, Kinnison and, and my my buddy it was right around the time it was like Mitch Mitch Hedberg uh, who was also used to work out at Haggerty's and do spots down there because yeah. he opened mics and uh, so I knew I knew him and then um, also Freddie Soto too yeah, yeah. So I, it was right all three of those you, guys so 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 there's guys so much I want to fucking talk to you about that I hope I'm getting it all in all but right. like <laughs> so okay so so I I met you the first time and that was you want soda yeah I'm gonna go get it during the during the um, nice in the kegerator. The keg is now filled with. You got to pull it open, open right. from the other side. Nice. This, so this is a hell of a man cave, bro. I'm digging it. Yeah, thank you. You can come here anytime. Anytime you want to fucking late night watch anything, and fucking let me know. Oh, really? Dude, yeah. You're, you're right around the corner from my house. I know. That's like 1.9 miles. Are you still where Billy used to live? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking I, love that place. Oh, uh, dude, dude. I love that place. Dude, he was my he was my neighbor for like a long time. And Billy Gardell is a good friend of yours too, yeah, from yeah. Florida, and, and uh, you know has had much success with the Mike and Molly show, which yeah. is a huge hit for CBS and. Uh, and uh, you know he just—it's it, the dream. He called me. He goes, "Yeah, we adopted Schubert." I said, yeah. "What?" He goes, "He's living below us." <laughs> we were like, "We were like the honeymooners." Nothing. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Hey, you know, but it's uh, yeah. He 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 just uh, you know moved in. He, he didn't move that far, but it, you know. Yeah. But you know he's living the dream, bro. So the dream. So uh, so then so I meet you, and then I'm, I played golf with you a few times, and I think we went we went drinking one night, me UGV and Mike Burton and Scott Henry, and then. I go. I I I've, 
I'm not headlining at this time. I'm, I'm just I'm doing TV, but then I go and I start featuring, and I feature for Kelly Moran, and Kelly Moran says, you remind me of Jimmy Schubert. And oh. I said, really? He said, yeah. He, and he, we're at Laughs Unlimited in Sacramento, and he, says, they, he said, why don't you guys headline Bert? And they're like, well, he's never headlined anywhere. And Kelly Moran, right in front of the owner, in front of everyone, goes, Bert, you want to headline my club next weekend? I go, yeah. And he goes, now he's a headliner. Why don't you give him a date? And they were like, oh, that's great. This, that's Kelly. And so I go down. Uh, he is uh, on and off the wagon a little bit. Like right. he, at the time, yeah. he was on and then he fell off a little bit. And the, I told him, don't stand up in the wagon. Yeah. Don't stand up in the wagon. <laughs> and he goes back in the back room and I go on stage and uh, he sits in the way back. There's no, it, it was a club in, was it in San Antonio? Where was it? Uh, his club? Yeah, it was in Albuquerque. Amarillo. 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 Yeah, yeah, it was in Amarillo. There, was, there were like cowboy hats in there, there were guns, and uh, like yeah. pe- people got up guns. And then he sat in the back and I hear him with a, he's got a cigar in the back. And I hear him start calling out log lines of my bits, like, what's the uh, fight a bear? And I'm like, Kelly? And he's like, yeah, fight a bear, do that one. And so I do the joke, and he goes, all right, do uh, Tame Lions. So I go, do you have my joke book? And he goes, yeah, it was in your backpack. And he's just flipping through my joke book, calling oh, out jokes. Oh, that's funny. We get done. He, doesn't, he wasn't, didn't drink, but I drank with his uh, younger brother yeah. next door. And he said, he goes, him and his older brother said, you remind us of Schubert in that we got to get you off the stage with a rake. <laughs> and, I, and then they proceeded to tell me great Jimmy Schubert stories. And I was like, fuck. And so then uh, one night, this is, and then this is all I'm going to say about you. And then I'll let you say about you. Right. One night we go over to do a spot at Hollywood and you're there. And I see you and you're, you're very nice. You're like, hey, Bert, how you doing? I'm with my wife. Right. My wife does not think anyone's fucking funny. Right. At all. <laughs> She's a little jaded. She's like a comedian. She is like, and you made her laugh fucking out her nose from beginning to end. And when I told her you were coming over, she goes, he's my favorite comedian. And I went, <laughs> yes, he is. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's, that's very nice. That's so, uh, so, but, and then, and then I started like, and then like GV, everyone would tell stories about you. Like, oh, did you hear about the time he pulled Kennison off the stage with a motorcycle? Did uh, you used to party with, mo- with Kennison? He used to do the road. He used to do Stinky the Sock Puppet. He used oh. to do, he, like, there were all these great stories about you that I, that I kind of have pieced together a little bit from like WTF and like the other podcasts I've heard you on. Right. But like, but like, so wait, you, st- but you're, I know in this much because I've seen you play enough of them in movies. You are a Philly cops, like you are di- like from the lineage of Philly cops. Right? Yeah, yeah. My my dad was a, a really a, a pretty famous Philadelphia police detective. He worked on some some um, some big cases, uh, you know. And it's so funny because I'm actually trying to I'm trying to write a one man show. It's called Bedtime Stories from a Philadelphia Police Detective. You know, really? uh, you know. Uh, yeah, he tells me some great stories. But he worked on this. Uh, fa- there was a famous. Uh, it was a, a rape case of this woman lawyer, and the only reason they found her body was because they were investigating a previous rape that happened in, like a, a couple years earlier, and they, they discovered her body. And the only thing, the only reason she was allowed, because uh, it was in the dead of winter, so it was freezing cold, she was clinging to this like steam pipe. I mean, they they got her, they called an ambulance, she went to the hospital, and then this guy beat her, and she was in like a coma. And and my my dad and a bunch of the other detectives, I mean, would sit and visit with her on a regular basis while she was in a coma. Really? She had a, a daughter, and they worked around the clock, like. Like six months on a case, they found the guy. They they that you know, uh, they, they tracked this guy down. I mean, they 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 caught the guy and and my we were siding we were putting uh, reciting our house and my dad fell off the scaffolding and, and broke his ribs. 
So he couldn't be there for like the witness. You know, the witness knew what she saw and, and this, that, and the other thing. And, and you know, the, the law firm offered $100,000, but they caught the guy. And he didn't, he didn't get convicted of that one, but he got convicted of a previous rape that he did. And, uh, but he, you know, I, I just, I, I remember watching my daddy would go undercover, you know, like, really? on, like holiday. Yeah, because they were down there. It was in the, the catacombs and the tunnels uh, where, where this happened. And they were trying to find out. And I, I just saw how much, you know, how much he, like, you know, you're what, you know, it's funny. I was old enough to realize what he did, you know, like he's, yeah. a, and he's catching these guys. And I, and I, you would always see crime scene photos scattered around, like on the did kitchen he, table. Did he teach you about like gun, sa- gun oh, safety yeah, yeah, and stuff? Yeah. We, 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 yeah, we, we would go to the, we would go to the gun range. We all took hunter safety courses. I mean, you know, my dad had, my dad was a, had guns. So, yeah. you know, and, and he had them in the house. So you had to be very. No, wait, how does that creep in? Like when you're like 14, your dad's this detective and it's like, going, it was like a, being a roommates with the lieutenant colombo <laughs> i hate to bother you no, but you, you couldn't get away with anything i mean you yeah know, i mean you know i remember me and my brother stole 20 dollars out of his sock drawer you know and that's and my dad you know, <laughs> because my, undercover is your brother hey jimmy <laughs> no no, no but, we, but, we, but we like took 20 dollars out of his sock drawer. i didn't realize at the time i realized if you have like six kids you know, <laughs> yeah. six, if you this is a 20 missing you fucking know it you know, there was no way like he's not gonna miss 20 bucks i mean my brother walk around <sighs> Chewing bubble gum with big stacks of baseball cards. You got one of the lead detectives in Philly in the house with yeah. you. You know, the guy's bringing down murderers and rapists. And me and my brother got a brand new stack of baseball. Everybody <laughs> see my twine. Oh, let's see it. Yeah. Where'd you get them baseball cards? He broke us down. My brother broke like cheap. Put you in separate rooms. Yeah, put, put us in separate rooms. Your brother walked in and points to you. That's him. Anytime, anytime anything bad oh, ever happened in the neighborhood, great. I felt bad for my dad because he was a cop and he was raising six criminals. You know, we did. Yeah. You know, anytime anything bad happened the people would come over to the house uh, and and we'd all have to line up in the living room and they shut the porch light off so you could you couldn't see out but people could see in go, number three turned to the side oh you know I, you know my, my that's was, fucking that is that i would pay money to see that one man show dude i'm telling you they uh but it was like you know anytime my, like my brothers egged this one neighbor's house like six nights in a row until the guy was waiting in the bushes for him and caught him yeah and brought him to the front door by the scruffs of their neck <laughs> Any of those other kids you recognize in there? Oh, I felt bad. If my dad had to come to the police station to get you, you were catching the ass beating of a lifetime. Really? Oh, it was. It was a cop. He didn't want to have to go and get his kid. I, yeah. Know, but it's like a preacher's kid, you know. Yeah. You, 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 you know, you get in trouble. But, but you know, and it was Philly, so it wasn't really like you know. Was it? Uh, Where'd you go up in Philly? Northeast Philly, like like still a city proper, but like up in the northeast, just outside of like. Kensington, K and A, and you know Northeast Philadelphia is like you know some. Uh, it was it was probably probably the, the, the most decent neighborhood in that area. You yeah, know? but there was some you know we're not not too far from the projects and other stuff. And you go back into Philly now? Yeah, I'm actually going next week. I'm going to be uh, doing the Borgata Hotel and Casino. So Holy I fly shit. into Philly. I'm going to come in a couple of days early and see my folks. Yeah, and. Uh, and uh, visit with my nieces and nephews, and then I'll shoot down to Atlantic City and do a gig, dig down there. Because it, it's the weirdest gig, because you do the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, then you're off on Friday and Saturday, which is weird, because they bring in that. like big they big in bands and stuff. So I shoot up to Philly for the weekend, and then I'm coming down on Sunday to do the Ray Garvey Memorial Show. You know, Ray Garvey was a guy that booked that, but he, he died of a... Um, stomach cancer but they do a but he was the guy who ran that room for years and he was a super sweet guy and he passed away so they do a big benefit memorial show for him every year and they raise money for the for his fund yeah so, so I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do that uh this coming week so so you did you start stand up in philly 
Yeah, I did. I used to. I used to start at a place called the Comedy Factory Outlet, and I was like, a was kid. that was that the the black club that Kevin Hart started doing? Uh, no, there there was uh, there was one down. There was a funny bone on Second Street, but that came later. I, yeah. there was two clubs. There was the Comedy Works, and there was a place called the the Comedy Factory Outlet, and both of those had mics that that I would go to. And then Craig Shoemaker, believe it or not, actually booked a couple rooms out there. John Barleycorns. And this—that's how long ago this is. Craig I mean, Shoemaker. I was a kid. Yeah, dude, I was like—I was a kid. I was like eighteen. I mean, I met Dice. I had to pick Dice up. I think at a at a train station and drive him out to one of these gigs. Really? Yeah. And uh, and uh, I, I remember he had just like I, I remember watching him and making the grade. And then I was like working with the guy, and I was just a kid, man. I hadn't been doing stand up at like eighteen. Yeah, yeah. I was just yeah, about eighteen. I hadn't I'd been doing stand up like probably like six months or seven months at the time. Holy you know, shit. but there was a lot of, you know, you could do once you kind of like I was I used to do magic, believe it or not. I was a magician. By the time I was 15, I was like kind of an accomplished magician. I was doing all these shows and I probably had six or seven gigs a month. Boy Scout Jam. So funny because you peg me as someone that if you met my kids could entertain the living shit out of them for hours. With a deck of cards. <laughs> with a regular deck of cards. Go, Get out of here. You're like the ultimate uncle. I did all my tricks. I'm out. See you guys. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's drunk magic. It's drunk Jimmy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was, but it's so funny because I was, dude. I, I just got back from China. I was over in China. I was in. Uh, uh, we were in. I was over there doing shows. I was over at the. Uh, these guys run this uh, run this little tour over there, and you fl- you fly into Shanghai, and I went to Beijing. I, worked- I think Steve Byrne did this tour. Like a few years ago. No, he did Shanghai, but this big promoter brought him in. And they did almost like, I think they did like kind of a theater thing. But people don't realize, I mean, you go to China, there's a huge expats community over there. There's all these English-speaking, English teachers really? from Ireland, England, Scotland. Oh, yeah, I didn't even uh, fucking think about South, that. South Africa, and a lot of Americans. And, and they're from all over. And you do these little Irish pubs. There's Irish pubs everywhere. I'm in Beijing with Des Bishop, who was a New York kid uh, who who's, uh, was is now moved. He lives in Ireland. Ireland, and he was doing. And he did his whole. He went to learn Gaelic, and then he did his whole stand-up show in Gaelic. And now for season two, he's over there learning Chinese. He's going to do his whole act in Chinese. Jesus Christ, this guy's smart as fuck. Well, it's it's that's a difficult language, but but it's. it's but we were over there, and we're coming. Uh, the first I got there Saturday, he goes, "Come on, let's go. We'll go up the street." We went to this Irish pub. I go, they got an Irish called the James Joyce in Beijing. I'm going, they got an Irish. He goes, yep, they got Irish pubs everywhere, man. That's hilarious. Like they sent away for a kid, but it was that was a pretty cool tour. You know, I could have gone to, uh, you know, Detroit for the for the seventh time, or you yeah, know, you go. But you do Detroit. No, I don't. Uh, I, 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 I'm just saying you could go yeah, to yeah, 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 yeah. Or Philly, but I thought this would be kind of a cool little uh, experience, and it was. It was really great, man. Yeah, I'd love to do. I'd love to do some more stand up abroad. I've only done. I've done South Africa and England, and uh, that's it. But I would yeah. love. Have you ever done South Africa? I have not. Oh, you'd fucking murder South Africa. Really? Yeah. It's always so so weird to me that, but I you forget. Like you know, stand up comedy is kind of like a, a uniquely American art form, like jazz music. Is. Yeah. And you forget that, you know, the way we do it here is not the way they do. It's like like I went to Israel and they had Israeli comedians and they had an English speaking comedy night. So these guys are essentially doing comedy in their second language, which I thought was amazing. It's fucking but hard. they weren't that I mean it wasn't a, so the Anus the Anus is a round hole, right? <laughs> and then the solid waste comes out and then gas comes out and then liquid comes out. <laughs> anyway. And I was like <laughs> anyway. anyway. And I was with Butch Bradley and, <laughs> and Dwight oh, but- Slade. And we were just in the back dying 
same because I'm I, I couldn't imagine doing stand up in a second language. Yeah, when you said about when you were talking about the guy Des Bryant, I was like, yeah, I could learn Chinese, but I would only do ten minutes. It would take an hour for me to get it out. I'd be like, yeah, Des Bishop, Ching. yeah, ni ni chin lao fang le ma ni hao ma. Yeah, so I, I, that's all I that's all I got. I, got enough to, I, got to, I learned enough to get me in trouble. When I was in Russia, I learned how to say uh, I would learn how to say things that I knew were funny in English. Right. In Russian right. to them, right. and hoping they would translate. And I learned how to say "fat guy in a little coat," right. and I would do that from Tommy Boy for them. And they thought I created it. They're like, "This guy's fucking amazing." <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's weird, man. It's, but uh, you know, I was over there, and we were doing a, this one city in China. And the dude goes, uh, "He goes, man, I just got here. I've been here for three days. I'm so homesick." I'm. A, he's a lawyer doing an intern at a law firm. Over in China, he goes, I'm saying, he goes, man, he goes, watching your show just made me laugh. I just, it was perfect. I'm not home. You know, it just made me feel better. Oh, it's so great. But yeah, but Israel's a cool trip too. You know, Avi Lieberman does that. And that to me was like, wow, but this last year has been like a real kind of international year where you, I was in Mexico and, uh, and then we went, uh, Israel, Mexico and China. That's, I think I'm done for a while now. You, are you gonna My go- passport looks like James Bond's. The Bahamas, Mexico, <laughs> Israel, China. Like, you know, like a, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. But, uh, but yeah, it's kind of. I'm, I'm definitely going to go back to China. I think it's great. So wait, what was the thing that got you to take a sabbatical and go to Florida? I've, that, I, I need to talk to you about another thing, too. Okay. Uh, what, what happened was Sam Kinison died. And, you know, and at that point... I mean, there were, you know, I, I was kind of done with that whole thing anyway. I mean, you know, the drugs and the partying and the crazy stuff. And I just really wanted to get away from it and just kind of really find, I, I kind of wanted to fall uh, back in love with stand up and I, and I wanted to find my voice again. I really wanted to find my voice in stand up. And, and working in Florida at this club called Haggerty's really provided me an opportunity because I was going on stage six nights a week. I took a job as a house MC. So they would have you do 15 in front and they'd have you do 20 in between. You know, because it was they were selling booze. They didn't. They didn't give. They didn't, it wasn't like they didn't care about. You know, they just wanted. They wanted a strong MC that could headline just in case. Because a lot of acts would come in Wednesday. They sucked. They get fired, and then you'd have to wind up. That's that. You know, that mentality carried over in the clubs for so long. But was once the improvs and funny bones showed up in in. Uh, consolidated the way they are now that never happened no one ever got fired as a headliner or as a feature like when i started doing the road yeah. you like you still had that like if i do funny enough the headliner's gonna fucking you know well yeah you know it's it's weird because you know stand-up comic stand-up co- comedy clubs period would would where you would go see like real funny guys i mean yeah. you'd go and see great stand-up comedy I mean, that's, that, you know, when I was coming up, I mean, you know, I remember watching Jay Leno back at the, at the Comedy Works in Philly, and he was just hilarious. But I, I remember seeing all these guys, and you, you know, Glenn Hirsch and, and some of these guys that, you know, probably are no longer doing it, but I mean, they were just, just hilarious. Yeah. I mean, just really funny guys. Uh, and I don't, I don't know that you, uh, and now I think there, there's people that are like, you know, more famous than they are funny, per se, you know? Yeah, there's people. Oh, yeah, definitely. There's people that sell more tickets than they do. Than- well, and it's a business, so you yeah. totally get it. But I, you know, I kind of find them insulting that you, you know, you spend your, you know, fifteen, twenty years getting good at, 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 at an art, and then there's some guy, um, somebody comes along, and just because they have a really active Twitter account or they're really hilarious on Twitter, and yeah. you go, look, it doesn't translate. I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't. I mean, you're talking about entertaining people and keeping them laughing for 45 solid minutes. That I mean, I'm just kind of an old school guy like that. I mean, I really think that if you, you know, if you could, 
you know, you got you got to be able to do that to even. But now, it just I mean, I have I have more stories from people that go to we went to see so and so man. It's it's the one drawback. I was t- I was talking to uh, Kevin Heffernan and uh, and Steve Lemmy from Broken Lizard. Right, they do Super Troopers and all those movies. Right, and they were t- saying that they d- were doing stand up and that they were having you know that they had only done it four years and now they're doing a tour and. And and I, and the, you know they're like we know sometimes stand ups don't like that and I was like I go no there's two ways to look at it like there is you know it does suck the the premise that you go that theoretically and I don't think this happens with them but I'm sure there's dudes this happens with that right. people will go well this guy is on a sitcom so he must be the fun if Hollywood thinks he's the funniest guy in the world he must be the funniest guy at stand up and then they go see him and they're like he was horrible well I'm definitely never going to go see Burt Kreischer and Jimmy Schubert because I never even heard of those guys which yeah. that that for me is sometimes frustrating however. Luckily, I feel like I feel like the norm now is well, a lot you, of those guys yeah, are but funny. Got, but you know, you have to realize it's a business, and, yeah. and if guys can put asses in the seats, and then you know, I mean that that's it. I just it's just, and, and as long as people are like, if they go, we've been doing it four years now, we're doing a tour. But but as long as they kind of go at it, with, yeah. That I, well, the, it, both these guys are, I think, are both have look, become passionate about stand up, and now are wishing they had started in the trenches. Yeah, and 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 I think, and and I will say the one thing I do like about guys like that. Guys like them specifically, and and guys like Stevo, and guys like Tom Green that are going out and doing stand up is that yeah. Stevo's bringing a group of people that are not stand up fans. Like they're not yeah, well, they're Stevo fans. That's yeah. why they come to see and him. so they come to a club, and if they enjoy that show, then they see our faces on the fly, and they're like, "Shit, let's go next week." Yeah. You know, so maybe it's no, bringing no, more it's, people it's, in. No, it's good. I mean, it's good, and as long as but Stevo, uh, from all I can, people say he does a great show. I mean, That's what everyone says. Rogan so, was like, "Man, he's funny." Who's that? Rogan. Yeah, it was like he's funny, and I was like, "Well, if Joe thinks he's funny." He must be funny. Yeah, and Joe's a Joe's a pretty tough audience. He's a, he's a you know pretty uh, tough. To, uh, I take that back. It might have been Red Band. So I, keep yeah. going. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, but I, I mean, it's, I, I'm just I'm just saying, you know, obviously it's it's one of those. I just think like you know, I mean, think Meta World Peace was like emceeing and like a, a night at, at the thing. Well, wait, wait a minute. The Lakers don't call me in to throw free throws. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this guy's coming in. He's going to do stuff. Don't, don't even like. I, I mean, I, I just think it's it's like it's like a big insult. Like how fucking dare I? Mean, I didn't get funny till I was about twelve years in. Yeah, and I was working my ass off. Yeah. to get funny at twelve years in, and then I had to, you know, you know. I mean, even today, you know, your act's a living, breathing thing. It's always changing. You're always writing. I mean, I, I take two weeks off. I, I you know, I, I feel like my timing's a little. I mean, it's it's weird. Yeah. So I mean, I have a, a reverence for it because you know it's really difficult to do. I mean, you know, I I read an article, an uh, interesting article about you know what makes people laugh now has become kind of like the Mount Everest of neuroscience. Like you know, scientists understand the brain well enough. That if they poke at one place, you'll have a memory of the third grade teacher, and if they poke at another place, you'll you'll have a memory of what a perfume smelled like. They also understand that they've put the cohere implants in people, and yeah. but they say different jokes tickle different parts of the brain, and if they understand what makes people laugh, they'll understand how the brain functions a little bit. So basically, oh. the knock knock joke is like you know is kind of like elusive as Area Fifty One. They just they're just trying to figure it out. I mean, they actually went down and they they did a study on what the funniest joke was. Uh, and it was two hunters are out there hunting, and the one guy trips and shoots the other guy. And he calls nine one one. He goes, "I think I killed my friend." He goes, "Well, 
is he dead? He goes, uh, I think he's dead. She goes, well, make sure he's dead. So he goes, hold on. He sets down the phone. Here's a gunshot. And he goes, okay, now he's dead. Now what? But, I mean, you know, it was one of those jokes. But that, they said that's the funniest joke because it appeals to people on many levels. But it's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, you just you just think about, like, you know, walk up on the stage. It's you. And there's 400 things in front of you. And you're going to go make them laugh. I mean, and they don't even fucking know you. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still... I still am shocked. The biggest fear of stand-up is that first laugh. Yeah. Like, I go, I can do this if I can get them going. Yeah. If someone could jumpstart them. When I was young, I was like, if I, they could just get jumpstarted and I could just walk into a laugh, I can keep people laughing. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I don't know how to start it. That was my biggest fear. I, I want, you know what joke, I, why, what type of joke I like the best? Where you can repeat the the word that made you laugh in your head and right. it makes you laugh harder and harder right yeah like like uh there was the one time in particular that i will definitely say um that i couldn't stop laughing and i was it was uh we were out camping in uh catalina yeah i saw you were on a show i think it was the stand-ups in amsterdam and yeah. you were traveling around i guess it was oh, a hooker or a lady, and you were doing this and you couldn't stop laughing oh that was one of the hardest i've ever laughed in my entire oh, life no but i was saying it was great i was laughing because oh, you were laughing i was laughing because she was smoking weed and i was not smoking weed but i was in the room and i was right next to her and everyone's smoking weed and i I ended up getting high. You probably got a second. Yeah, and 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 she was talking about. They said they were they were saying, um, and she was a sex professional. Yeah, and I asked her a question, and then she started talking about catching about dissecting frogs. But she said you used to have to catch them when I was a kid, and I was like, I'm sorry, what? She said we used to catch frogs. I thought she said catch farts, and then I started laughing, thinking about how you catch. And then I spiraled. And then she started telling me the story in Dutch, and I was like, she thinks I speak Dutch. I was one of the hardest I've ever fucking laughed. Dude, it was funny. It was real funny. I remember watching. That was the show with uh, Danny Bevins and and Tom Rhodes. Yeah, but that was it was great. I watched that. Everybody was funny on that show. I laughed so hard that time, and then once I that's the one thing that sucks about uh, marijuana. Despite the fact that I never really smoked it, the one thing that sucks about marijuana is once you stop. Laughing, you get into this like, uh oh, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it's so funny because they, they made it legal here. They got all these dispensaries out here now, and yeah. my friend runs a dispensary, and no, he tosses me, he tossed me some edibles, and you go, oh my, and you go, oh yeah, cool man. Go, I partied in twelfth yeah, grade. Yeah, I know what it's like, and, and you, you eat half a cookie, and you sit in your chair and hallucinate for four hours, going, this isn't the, I don't remember this. This is like a mild mushrooms, you know. <laughs> your chair and hallucinate. Four hours, his phones ring. You just sitting there, just staring into space. I mean, it's actually I find it I find it medicinal. Yeah, you just got to be careful of the dosage. Yeah. you know what I mean. It's like you know, I, I cut the cookie in half, then I cut it in half this way, then I cut those in half, and I take like a sixteenth of a cookie, and then I can fully function and have conversations. But yeah, yeah but but that I mean that stuff is I mean that that the, I mean that just the pot has gotten so ridiculously potent out here. I mean, I can't even I can't even smoke it. Like you know, when we were kids, we had this. You know, a lid like a fifteen dollar bag of like really shitty yeah. Mexican weed, and you had to clean the seeds out and roll it up, and you know and that was, you know, One guy, of my- I remember guys would sell joints, but this stuff, this stuff that out here is ridiculously powerful. Yeah, it was. What was the? I used to have a joke a long time ago about the shitty weed we used to get when we were in ninth grade and tenth yeah. grade, and you'd smoke it. and You'd be like, "Anyone want to get pizza?" I'm like, "Yeah, I think we just smoked oregano." <laughs> we used to get oregano. We used to go to a pool hall, and I guarantee you the guy was selling us oregano. But yeah, uh, yeah I don't. I, I'm. 
It's it's you didn't think it was weed, yeah, but from from, from and then the one, the one to where it's gotten to now, the holy shit, yeah, it's ridiculous, it's ridiculous. Wouldn't that have been great if that was in uh, the in uh, Disney World Land of the Future? And the weed is going to be so strong. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's uh, that's like my, that's my medicinal buzz. I take a little piece of chocolate and I wash it down with a couple glasses of wine, and that's like you know that's like the perfect buzz. You know, it's just like very mellow. You know. So wait. So now. So uh, so I can I, I can only fathom how how debaucherous it must have been with Kinnison. Oh God, bro. Yeah. I, you know, it's so funny. I, 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 I at some point I guess I should write a book about the the, the ex. But it was crazy, man. I mean, you're torn with a guy. Who's I mean, you got to realize he defined. He defined. He he was my sense of humor. That's where my sense of humor. That was the first comic I ever laughed at. Brian Callahan played it in the back of a bus. We were going on an ice skating field trip. Right. And uh, Brian Callen played it, and it was uh, it was uh, lick the alphabet, yeah. and I fucking it was it was a it's a, it's the most beautiful joke because I didn't realize like you're writing a letter to Santa Claus yeah here's yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want a new toy and you know I, I got the tour with him I, I th- and I really think that Sam was like kind of a Letty Bruce of our generation I think him and Bill Hicks were probably two of the most influential comedians on this generation of comics that are up now I thought I mean Sam was just a, like a monster what we did one tour where uh, there was no party he was trying to clean up it was just you know. Uh, <laughs> and he was brilliant. I mean, to watch him for we did a like a mini tour, like thirty cities, and he was just brilliant to watch. And he wasn't getting, and he was just working on his new, his next album. I just thought it was so. It was great to watch his process, yeah, and to watch him. But but yeah, there are other stories. I mean, I was lucky because I got to tour with you know we're do, we're on a bus and we're driving. We're doing seventy city tours. You know, people are showing up. We did the Universal Amphitheater. We did two shows at the Universal Amphitheater on New Year's Eve. Went to Van Nuys Airport, jumped on a Learjet, flew to Vegas, and did like a three o'clock in the morning show at the Sahara. And Shut it was just, it was, but it was, yeah, it was just madness. I mean, you know, I'm Richard Belzer and Lenny Clark and, and those guys were all hanging out. And at the t- there was a place behind the comedy store called Crest Hill. And me and Mark Marin were roomies up there together. We were kind of like the up and coming doormen. Now, is this the place? Is this the place? Cause I think my buddy bought that place. It was really nice. It was well, really big. Well, I don't know that uh, that it was. It, it, I think it's connected to the property of the comedy store. I think if you go in the basement, they used to roll the barrels of liquor down there, and there's a door. There's a tunnel that goes underneath it. You can actually. They used to roll the barrels of beer, beer down there or booze down there during the prohibition. So the house is connected to the comedy store in a, in a couple different ways. But it was you know it used to be run by the mob. Uh, yeah. Uh, Cohen, uh, what's the guy's name? And so uh, Mitzi owned this house and let you guys rent it? Well, no. It was, uh, yeah, well, the house came with it. And what she would do is the house was, when she bought the old Ciro's, which became the main room of the comedy store, because it was just the original room, and then she expanded and bought the, the main room, um, I think that the, the house was part of the deal. They came as a, a package really? deal. But yeah, because I, I, I think they were, uh, you know, but that was back in, in the days of, you know, the, the, the 50s. And it was, it was mob run. And they, there was all kinds of ghost stories about the comedy store. And, and so, but that house back there, but there was a, there was a time period where pe- like Sam would come up there and, you know, uh, Billy Idol and Ted Nugent, and they were all coming out and hanging out. And there was like, you know, Ron Jeremy and it was all these like, you know, and, you was, and you're sitting there, and like the parties would start, and we'd sit around. And you're like, what, 21, 20? Yeah, no, I was, I was a little older than that, probably about 24, 25. Oh, you know, fuck. And, and, and all these, uh, 
you know, and all these guys, and then, you know, and then you're just, you know, and all at this time, you know, John Landis would come out. I mean, Sam wasn't famous, but he had this underground following of all these, like, you know, so I think like Penny Marshall and people would come in and just, they just, he just, he was like this underground kind of guy before he kind of broke big. But I mean, you know, we did two two shows at the Fox Theater in, I think it was Detroit, and sold five thousand, sold them out five thousand. I mean, he was at the at the height of his thing, and he had a band that was closing the shows. I mean, it was like a circus. Yeah. I, I, it felt like you were really part of a rock band more than you were a comedian because you were with all these guys and you're on tour and you're just, I mean, it was it was amazing. You're playing all these great little theaters that were, you know, built in the 1800s and all this little. No, is at the time and this is this is in where my head goes as a comedian. At, at the time, is he watching your act? Is he giving you insights on where to where you should be working, or is we it did just that, we did that one when when we were doing a Universal Amphitheater. Yeah, uh, he we we took our video. We had somebody videotape our sets from being on tour, and then we all went up and watched the sets. And he said, "Listen, when you do this joke, he said the laugh is going to go out. You know, count instead of a four count, it's going to be like a six or seven count because the laugh is going to go back out back, and then it's going to come back down to you. It's like a wave because it's going to go up, yeah. back. And sure enough, you know that night it was a big show that he put. He was with the Universal Amphitheater on New Year's Eve." And he was walking backstage as I was performing, going, wait, wait, bam. And then, you know, so he get, he did coach you up a little bit, which was really kind of cool. But, you know, one of my greatest things was, like, you know, make, being able to make him laugh. I mean, oh, like, like yeah. crack him up to the point where he's just, like, laughing his, laughing his uh, you know. Uh, but it was a really funny group of guys. I mean, it was a guy named Mitch Walters. I mean, Alan Stevens, Carl LeBeau, who's, uh, you know. One of, Carl's still torn. Still torn. I just spoke with him the other day. I think today's his birthday, but he's a friend of mine from like way back. We're like, yeah. you know, best buddies. But he's, uh, yeah, he's still out there doing it. But Carl really kind of took me under the wing. Really? And, well, he just, you know, you're doing 5,000 seats. And I was doing 200-seat comedy clubs, and now you're doing 5,000 seats. And how do you make 5,000 seats intimate? I mean, there was, you know. I, he, I would be fucking he, out of my he head. Said, he said, you know, you got to perform the joke. You got to be the joke. You got to be everything in the joke. Bring it to life. Bring it, bring it, you know, just don't. And I really kind of took that and really, because Carl's probably one of the most physical comedians out there working today. I've never and, seen him work, but I, but oh, that club laughs at Leonard in Sacramento. Yeah. He was like the house favorite. They're like, you yeah, haven't yeah, seen no, Carl? He just, well, he's the only guy I've ever met who go out and just do a brand new 45 minutes on what he did that day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just like he's just one of those minds. He's just got a great comedy mind, and and instinctively, when he finishes a bit, the audience knows to applaud. It's almost <laughs> performance art that happens to be really funny. He's, yeah, he's that good, and uh, I got to watch him and Sam and even Mitchell Walters was just pound for pound. He was a, he's a like a complete like you know, uh, you know like track degenerate, barred money from everybody. I said, dude, you got to pick one. You can't be a gambling degenerate and a drug addict. Okay, yeah. it's too much, it's too much, <laughs> one or the other. But uh, yeah, but you know, but he was really he was like an old school kind of joke guy and grifter. Like I mean, he was a total yeah. You know, could do uh, you know, uh, card magic and sleight of hand, and he had all these like scams they would run. Like he would, you know, back when we were like broke comedians, you know, you know, five guys would go into like this diner and they'd have a meal out, they'd get some stuff to go, and then you'd have two guys sitting there who had coffee and cake, and what they would switch checks, so. Those guys would get in the car, and, and the guy would go, I, I think you gave us the wrong check, but that table was already gone. Yeah. So it was like, oh. I, I mean, it was like horrible, horrible. But, you know, you're a broke <laughs> yeah. comic, and you're starving. What do you do? Yeah. You know, but there's the, all those little, but it was it was kind of like a magical time. I mean, that really was uh, like my college, you know. Because it's, it's a great investment, and especially like, I mean, I, I wouldn't trade my, whatever my experience was in college and, and moving to New York 
for anything. However, like if you gave me, if you said, well, we're going to give you a set of groomings, I fucking picked that one. That's like, I think every comic would be like, that would be fucking, it's, it's epic. Yeah. Well, you know, it also works. It's epic and you didn't get lost in it. No. Yeah. I did. I did manage to survive it a little when bit. When you, you're moving to Boca sounds like one of the fucking smartest moves I've ever heard. Oh, uh, dude. It was for me. It was for, I just wanted to get away from all the, I mean, every time you went to perform, they were, hey, everybody want to talk about Sam. And he was actually, he was really a, a good friend of mine. Not that only did I tour with him, but I really kind of put the like experiences in my life. I and mean, I get the. I got to perform in Philly at the Spectrum in front of my family, 6,300 people. I mean, you know, we were sitting there. I remember he goes, hey, what are you doing? I said, uh... I said, I'm just, uh, you know, was, you know, he goes, hey, Stallone's coming over. Why, you know, so he would hang out with Stallone. We went to dinner at this Chinese restaurant, and Stallone, me, and Sam just sitting there having a conversation, or David Lee Roth coming backstage in Vegas, or, God. I mean, any of the guys. Ginger Baker played on one of the New Year's Eve shows, believe it or not. And, like, it was just like, it was, it, it's insane. Like, he had this, like, crazy celebrity following, and you would get to meet all these people, and they would get to see what you do. Like, you know, we, I remember there was, remember the old China Club? I don't know if you remember, but we used to do stand up there, but it was, it was like one of the hottest clubs in New York. There was one in New York, but they opened yeah. one out here for about four or five years. And I mean, I mean, I walked in there one night. It's Herbie Hancock, uh, 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 little Steven from the E Street Band. Yeah, and they had uh, John Goodman was up on stage, and they called themselves the Johnny B Goodmans. But it was like one of these all star like music things. You go, where else are you going to see this? God, this is insane. But it was there was a time. That it was really, really kind of cool and mad. And I mean, at the comedy store, I mean, they had three rooms going that were packed constantly. So you could literally do a set in the billy room, run oh. down the original room, and then go over to I the I had a dream about the comedy store last night. I think it was because I knew you were coming over. But I, like, that's one place I wish that I wish that I had, when I'd come out here, that I'd gone there and, and paid my dues. But I, I'm. Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, is like, you know, I, I, you kind of were kind of already developed by the time you come out here, right? I mean, yeah. You know, no, no. I was, I was, I was. Developed in the industry, like I was on TV shows, I had sitcom right. deals, but I I did not I did not know anything about fucking stand up. I'd only been really technically doing stand up for like a year and six months by the time I moved out here. Yeah. So like I, I I knew nothing, and then I got and then I started hosting at the Improv because Aaron was like Aaron just liked me. And she yeah, was yeah. Like you know, you're probably one of her favorite comedians. No, you are her favorite comedian. Well, no, I, we're really close now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she she's the reason I've, I've she is definitely I will say this like one of the uh, one of the uh, guardian angels in my entire life. Yeah, because I did one set in front of her accidentally. Yeah, and. Uh, and, well, that's the way it works out here. I yeah. mean, you could like, you know, you could literally get seen by the right person, and then your whole life changes. And she called me the next morning. She goes, uh, "I'm going to make sure you work for the rest of your life." And I was like, right? "I was like, what?" She goes, "I, you're my new favorite comic, and I'm going to make <laughs> sure you work for the rest of your life. <clears throat> um, I'm going to call you with uh, some offers. Don't let Barry Katz fuck them up." <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> "So I was like, yeah." And Barry said, "These are the offers, Pop. I say we asked for three grand. I go, fuck it, accept them. Yeah, yeah. I go, accept them. Whatever Aaron wants, accept them. And I and I fucking to this day she's been a she's been someone that's just absolutely been awesome oh, that's great yeah, it's great it's it's uh it's it's nice when you get people in your corner that can help you out or always looking out for you it's nice to have i that. always wonder about the people who are f- i always wonder if there's people trying to fuck my career up you know like that there are people that don't like me and every time your name comes up they're like fuck that guy <laughs> i'd have to have a career in order to fuck it up but, uh, what are you what are you gonna do, wreck my career oh i'll never work in fucking boca raton again it's horrible. I mean, you know, they say it doesn't make a difference what they say as long as they're talking about it, you know? Yeah. Did you ever see that movie with The, the Party? With uh, It's called The Party with uh, uh, Peter Sellers. 
Where oh, he plays, like, yeah, like he plays yeah. this like Indian extra, and they're filming the scene, and he accidentally blows up this entire shot. And yeah, goes, put this guy on; he's never working. And the guy puts him on the wrong list, and he gets an invite to this guy's party. <laughs> and he winds up, and he's just like this Indian guy who doesn't know, but he's an extra in an Indian film, and he gets invited <laughs> to this big Hollywood party, and completely fucking wrecks it. I mean, it's... I don't think I've ever seen that movie. Oh, now dude, that you one, say of the, that. one of the funny, one of my top, one of my top movies of all time. Um, wait, what was that? Oh shit, what was what I going to say? Comedies? What was I going to say right after? Oh, you know what? One, someone gave me great advice one time. Uh, I was I had bombed on a showcase, like an ICM showcase, and I was fucking. Ter- I was like, I was like, we need to set up another show. Like, you know, like when you're young and you yeah. think that matters. And it was Barry Katz. He was like, Papa, I think you're thinking that people think entirely too much about you. He goes, No one thinks about you as much as you think. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was well. You know, we're we're in the right profession for that. Yeah. Are you sure it's not about me? Yeah. Are you sure it's not about <laughs> no? But it but it's. Uh... Yeah, it's so funny because someone the other night showed me uh, Rob Delaney. I don't know if you know him, mm-hmm. but he's like, uh, like I don't know that he does stand up, but he uh, he does. Uh, yeah, uh, but he went out and had a, like a rough set on Jimmy Kimmel. I've never liked the guy more after that rough set. What do you mean? Because I don't know. Like I like when other com- when comics have tough sets. Yeah, I go. Yeah, I've been there too. Now we're all on the same team. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like getting dumped by a chick and your buddy, your good looking yeah, friends. Yeah, like, yeah. It so, sucks. Yeah, but someone couldn't wait to show it to me, and I'm, I'm like you. I was like. Dude, uh, yeah. everybody has them. Yes, yeah, so I got I got a bunch of emails, and they're like, "Have you seen Rob Delaney's set?" And I was like, "No." And they're like, "Look at it quick. Uh, he, it's, it's getting taken down. Scrub it off the internet." Yeah, they're trying to get it off the internet, and I was like, "And I hate even saying this. Cause I don't want more people to go look at this guy's set." But you know what? It look. It's everyone's got bad sets. That's the nobody. The, nobody bats four hundred during the season. Fuck, you make yeah. it up there once or twice, or have a little run. But look, I mean, it's really kind of a tough. Uh, tough occupation, Dude, and you're Delaney. not always gonna. And, and if you don't have, and if you're not performing all the time, you're gonna go up, and you're just gonna you're gonna have rough sets. I've had them. Yeah, I mean, I've had people that like where like just audiences just stare at you, and there's nothing you could do. He's to get got them. he's got a really interesting story. Rob Delaney does. Yeah, really fucking interesting about like sobriety and depression. Yeah, and uh, yeah, because I didn't. I to actually tell you the truth, I didn't think it was that bad. I, you know what? It, I didn't think it was that bad either. The only the part that uh, the part that I think that. Uh, was tough was at the very end I think he had known he had done bad and then Jimmy Kimmel was standing next to him and he's trying to make eye contact with the audience that was the part where I was like I was like yeah that I would I would rather just if, after a tough set and I didn't think it was that bad but after a tough set I'd be like I want to be the fuck off stage don't make me stand out here while you say who's coming out tomorrow <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh, yeah it's, it's dude I mean you know that, but to have a bad set when everyone's watching is would would suck I mean everybody has them but, yeah, yeah everyone has them and, and look hey I had mine on fucking national television too like yeah. I had mine on last comic standing two or whatever it was and I was I ate a dick and it's like they show it and they and 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 it sucks but once you know it's one of the things about being a comic is that you uh the camaraderie that is involved like no one like no one yeah, cuz no one no one's going to get it like another comedian gets yeah. it and, and and until you've been in that position and until you've you, you know you kind of you know gone go, gone down like a syrian fighter pilot yeah and i i think i think what people dis, i think i think what people got people excited is that Rob Delaney's had so much success on twitter he's got the most twitter followers than everyone he actually is fucking hilarious on twitter he really is funny on twitter yeah. his twitter's made me laugh once a day but he puts out like 12 he's yeah. a writer he can yeah. write the fuck out of some shit and i think people were upset cuz he's now selling theaters and i go i totally get it but 
Like, you know, he's a his story, man, you should check out. I'm not going to tell everyone his story, but if you go online, he wrote an article about it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like about depression and drinking. Like, he was a real bad alcoholic, and now he doesn't. He's sober, and he's like a good fucking... Yeah, it seems to be a theme with a lot of comedians. Is yeah, it's definitely it, it, a theme. It's like we're all a little broken. Yeah. Oh, no, I just, no, no, I just no. haven't ended up in a wheelchair, you know, fucking from drinking yet, and so I continue. <laughs> That's the that's the gauge. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I haven't know, hit I, my bottom. I don't. I don't. But yeah, you know. So I have friends of mine. They're 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 in AA, and some of my best friends. And you know, and I I asked well, he goes, he goes, no. I mean, you go, he goes, you may be a world class abuser at times, but he goes, you're definitely not a. He goes, you don't understand what an alcoholic is. So what's that? He goes, yeah. You know, you just take a. I take one drink, and you won't see me for four days. Yeah. I, go, oh, okay. I I went to. I mean, uh, I've never I've never woken up and started drinking. I've never done that. You know. Uh, I have. Yeah. Uh, well, unless I was on vacation. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, wait, I've totally done that. <laughs> I did it for a pilot one time. <laughs> I, I did. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, dude, your history is pretty. You got a pretty rich history as well. You know. I mean, you got. Uh, you know, you were the. Did, did they? I didn't. I, you know, someone told me they based Van Wilder. That movie was based yeah, on your yeah. life. I fucking cringe every time I hear that because it's like it is the truth. Right. But it's like such a weird uh, truth because I didn't have anything to do with the movie. I didn't write right. it, or I didn't even like. I wouldn't they even just took the article based on. They your took life. the article and they and uh, Oliver Stone's company optioned the rights to my life to, about the article right. based on the article, and a bunch of guys wrote scripts. And then and then I talked to National Lampoon about this uh, in National Lampoon Radio when they used to own that place on Sunset. Yeah, I talked to them. I talked to Preston McZexen. I told right. them the story in front of Kevin Couch on Kevin Couch's show, and they fucking froze. They were like, "Stop! Turn the what are you suing us?" But yeah, so like I told, uh, I guess one of the guys wrote a script, and then turned around and sold a script after the deal fell apart. Sold a script to National Lampoon, changed my name. I've never seen the movie, so I don't know how close it is. But Pro- I doubt it. I doubt it. Not you know, probably not at all. Was, all anyone goes, did you ever jack off a bulldog? I was like, I did, but I didn't tell anyone about it. <laughs> <laughs> I did. That's that's funny. I was uh, when I was in China. This guy, this Australian guy, and he goes, he goes, hey mate. He goes, you ever give yourself a stranger? And I said, what's that? He goes, you know, you fall asleep in your hand and you put it down your pants. It feels like someone else is down there. You ever do that, eh? And I go, no, I've never done that. I said, I've given myself the reverse stranger. He goes, what's that? I go, I sat on my dick till I fell asleep. And when I jerked off, it felt like I was doing it to somebody else. <laughs> so I've done, I've done that. But I haven't done that. I haven't done the other thing. No, drinking's, <laughs> drinking drinking, is a weird thing with the, with comics because it's like, it's like I, I you, 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 f- it, in a weird way, it just is. It's it's so fucking like well, when I see someone get sober, I get so proud of them. I go, I don't know how the fuck do you do it. What do you do on your Saturday night late show? What do you do on your third Friday night late show? Like yeah, like I can't. Well, on those weekends, you know, I I don't I don't even I I know I wait till after the first show and then I'll have like a like a yeah. pop. But I, it's it's funny. It's like you know, I've ne- it's never been my thing. I don't like to be like you know. You you uh you do something that I wish I could do. I can't even get active when I go to a fucking city a lot of times. Right. Because I go like maybe I'll go to a baseball game or something. Right. But like uh, you do Bikram yoga on the road. I did. I there was a period where I was doing it. Yeah. Like, I that's day. all anyone said. You go on the road and they're like, uh, Are you into Bikram yoga? Because we have a great place. We just ha- found one for Jimmy. I was like, What? Oh, was, oh you were down in. Atlanta, yeah, we, was, went there, yeah. We, we went down there, and I did. Uh, yeah, it's it's great, man. It's like one of the best workouts I've ever had. You, you're sweating because they heat the room up to like 120 degrees, so you're sitting there and you just start sweating. But you're doing a 27 yoga pose, and I just do it because of my knee and stuff like that. But I, I mean, you could smell like you know nicotine and liquor coming out of your body, and oh. souls of ex girlfriends just leaving your <laughs> leaving your body. And say, oh, you know. Wait, uh, I'm taking. I'm dying to talk to you about this, and if you don't want to talk about it, I can totally take it out. Go ahead. Um, but I can't imagine that you wouldn't. But 
Uh, I'm taking motorcycle lessons tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do so. I mean, it's it's great that you're taking lessons, but you should probably not. Uh, I mean, it, if you want to tool around town, it's just weird because it's not you. It would never yeah. be your fault. Some some idiots texting and they plow into you when you're standing there at a red light. Yeah. And just not paying attention. I mean, especially nowadays with people texting and driving. And I mean, I just I was when what happened? Didn't you got well, no, I got I was in a motorcycle wreck and you know I I almost lost my left leg, but the doctor managed to save it and I got a pin in there and they kind of rebuilt the leg and they had to do a bone. Graft. I took a piece of my hip out and made it into a bone paste. What happened? What happened to your bone? Well, I got I got hit and I shattered like like two and a half inches of bone in my leg. So they had to basically rebuild the bone, and they had to do that because the the only bones in your body that will regrow are your hip bone and your skull bone. So they can take that piece of your hip bone out and they'll make a paste with it, and then they rub it on the on the thing, and it starts to grow. It starts really? to grow together. Yeah, and uh, and that was like three and a half years of my life. I was like you know, kind of uh, I was on. Crime. Crutches and pins and casts and hobbling. Where were I, you? I was in Los Angeles. I mean, it was it was one of those things, really, literally. I mean, I wanted to run home, but I just didn't. I thought if it, I just looked at it as a test in my life, is that if I can make it through this, I could probably do do. Uh, yeah, it kind of uh, kind of set me back about three three and a half years because I was uh, you know had to re- do rehab and get my leg. But I was I mean, most of the comics at the comedy store for a while. There was big metal things coming out of my leg, and I was still hot. I was still trying to do stand up. Really? I mean, yeah. I w- it didn't it didn't even slow me down. It, it really didn't. Really? I mean, I'm, yeah, because I w- I was. I was trying to, you know, I mean, it's. I wanted to do it. I said, if there's ever a test of my life, this is it. I got to continue to do stand-up. It was almost therapeutic. And it was actually like the first real piece of comedy I ever wrote in my life. Because everything up to then was just kind of like made-up shit or you're trying to write stuff. But this something really happened to me. And I started talking about it on stage. And I started telling, like, just like I, I really got in touch with how you take, you know, something that real, uh, your own pain kind of and, and make it therapeutic and, and people could laugh at it. Because I would hobble up on stage on crutches. So I really didn't have to, like, they knew. Yeah, yeah, and the motorcycle lacks, and I was talking about the doctor, you know, uh, you know, uh, you, you know, you shaving your shaving your nuts because they got to do an operation. They want to shoot a thing down there, and you know, you're just laying there going, you know, guys shaving your nuts. You're gonna, hey, how's it going? You're just talking to him <laughs> yeah. while you're shaving. Take a little off the top, you know. I started doing a little. I started doing that, talking about that, and that's really kind of got me into like writing real comedy you know really because yeah, i was doing stupid stuff about you know there's there's a bar laundromat you know uh there was like people could do the laundry and go hang out at a bar yeah uh, and i would do, i was doing stupid comedy i, I used to it's, do it. it's what you do when you're i think you're young and then you get to a certain point where you're like where yeah, you, where it, was you... defi- it was definitely a breakthrough for me i mean you know to go through all that and to still be out here and, and just, you know struggling and where did you and, get hit uh i was at right across from the newsstand there's a newsstand down on uh ogden like fair Fairfax and Ogden. Yeah, I know exactly and, what that and, is. And they were, they were doing some construction, and this dude like saw they were doing construction, and they, they had everybody stopped, and then they waved everybody on. So I drove, but this guy just kind of backed into the thing and just kind of like, like kind of pulled across the street, but he didn't realize there were, were there were cars coming or people were coming, and he kind of like hit me in the side, like T-boned me a little bit. Really, and he wasn't going that fast. I was I was I wasn't going that fast either, but it didn't take much. Really, yeah. And I was laying there on the sidewalk, and and this guy came up, and they called an ambulance, and I looked at my leg, and my I looked like I had a knee in the middle of my shin. My leg was like, oh yeah, dude, it was like, oh man, it was bad. I was bad, man. <laughs> I was like, oh. 
It's like, you know, oh, and I was lucky. I got a good doctor, and I went to Cedar sinai I went to the best hospital. And, and did you have like, health insurance at the time? I did not have health insurance at the time. Holy we, we shit. We wound up suing the guy, and they wound up taking care of our medical bills. I had, like, a, like my medical bills were, like, $30,000 or something. Oh, that's not that bad. No, yeah, but... Uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. But then I needed, and once we settled with the thing, I, I felt I needed another operation. So I, yeah, it's basically you didn't make any money. I was just money for my medical medical bills. God damn! What year was this? Oh god, eighty six. Really? Eighty seven, eighty eight. Yeah, and I I think I did my first tour. Uh, uh, was uh, started tour was uh, like the, the end of like September of eighty eight. Uh, and '89 was I started doing some shows with Sam. Is it worth? If it, is it worth all of that to have the best motorcycle Sam Kinison story ever? <laughs> <laughs> I probably would have had that story anyway. Yeah, but yeah, but it's you know I, I mean I, that yeah it was a, that was a pretty crazy time, and I didn't even know what I was doing. Someone just said it's never been done before, yeah. and so I like started up my that's it and drove out on stage. So anyone, anyone that doesn't know, which I can't imagine there isn't anyone listening to this that doesn't know, is that what was it like? Was he going long or something? And someone... yeah, well, it was a Monday night, and the, and the Thai manager of the bunker, he go off now, he go off now, yeah, dude, he said Sam Kinison, dude, what are you talking about? He got off now. And so, so I go, all right. And someone goes, and I just kind of gunned the bike. And, and he goes, are you going out there? I go, I don't know. He goes, you know, no one's ever done it before. Said, oh, you didn't have to tell me that. Click. And then the guy goes, well, if you're going out there, you need a joke. And I think it was actually, I think maybe Kelly Moran was there. Really? And he goes, yeah, just go out and say his last call. By the way, your ride's here. And that was like where, I, that's all I thought it through to. I was going to yeah. go down the steps and put the bike on stage. And go, his last call. By the way, your ride's here. I didn't know he was going to look at me. Let's do it. Let's do it. He throws down a mic and jumps on the back. And I go, all right, we got to get out of here now. And I kind of whipped the bike around. And just, we had to hit those three steps. And that big iron sign wasn't there. So went up and around the corner. And people were diving out of the way. Get out of the way. And right out the back. And I, I, mean, I, I, I we could have been murdered. I could have been killed then because I didn't even look. We just went, boom. Just, uh, luckily, uh, there was no cars coming. But, I mean, you know, and he had a death grip on my right. He was scared shit. Was he? He was, really? Yeah, because he fell off the back of a motorcycle when he was a kid and smashed his head. So, which explains a lot. But, uh, <laughs> but he was fair, scared to death of motorcycles. And we turn up and like, like that, that, at La Sienica and we make that U-turn on Sunset. And he goes, yeah. you're a crazy motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty crazy yourself. Yeah. And, we, and like 40 people had come running out because they heard the bike go ripping through the building. And they're on the sidewalk applauding. And I just kind of pulled up and he jumped off and I took off and went home. And I didn't think anything about it. I, I didn't think, like, at the time, I didn't even think anything about how, uh, you know, you know, cool it was or anything like that. Yeah. And I didn't even see him for, like, two weeks. And then he, I walk in, he goes, Jimmy Schubert, get over here, you crazy motherfucker. And he was standing with Lorraine Newman and Randy Quay from Saturday Night Live. But after that, it was, like, kind of become buddies. And, and we went on tour and we're, you know, just, it was it's, it's, it's insane. Fuck. It's, yeah, but it's just craziness, you know. I mean, that that whole dude, the, the drugs. The, I mean, it was we were in Vegas, like we're in Vegas, and and like you know, you were doing the dunes, and they're doing like you know, we're, we're supposed to be there for two weeks. They hold us over for a third week because this mail review coming in canceled, so we're there three weeks in Vegas, and a, with Sam Kinison at the fucking old dunes, dude. We had like you know, we're going, we were like going to the Olympic Gardens, you know. We had our own VIP. Oh. Billy Idol would come in. They were playing, you know, Billy Idol songs. All the chicks were come up it was fucking insane man I, I mean it was it was definitely like rock I, I imagine i could like i could only imagine what it would be like if you were like in a rock band in that 
era of the 80s and early 90s. Yeah. Uh, how much, how crazy, I mean, it would have been just being on tour. You got to write a got, fucking book. Yeah, got, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm actually outlining one now. You got to write a book because, like, like I'm in the middle of a book right now. Yeah. And it's, uh, it is... Uh, first I'm in of all, the middle of a book. It's a pop up. Uh, <laughs> let's go. I, I wanted. Uh, wanted uh, oh, what was this? Lenny. You know Lenny Marcus out in New York. We were at. Uh, uh, I. I fucking. It's almost like you have to write a book now. I mean, it's not just you, enough. To you be, have to. You know, only the, the being a stand-up comedian has changed so much. You were saying that when we started. Yeah. Well, it's just. It's just. It's just. You know. I, I mean. You know. It. It. It's. It's really kind of because you think about this as like. You know, there weren't that many comedy clubs. I mean, until the comedy explosion of the 80s and like, you know, 400, 500 clubs popped up across America. I mean, really, if you think about it, there weren't that many clubs in like the, like 1976. There were probably, I bet you were probably like like 15 clubs maybe. Yeah. And, I, and that may be a lot. But, you know, most comedians would open up for bigger name acts. And that's how, you know, you would do Vegas. Yeah, like the com- I mean, they'd open up for the Commodores. or Yeah, yeah. But yeah. There, there, wa- there wasn't like, like, you know, until that comedy explosion happened. I mean, then there was A rooms, B rooms, C rooms, D rooms. One nighters, and you could just literally tour the country. And like you know, at one point I was doing these creative runs through the southeast. I mean, you put a thousand miles a week on your car. You got to do a Tuesday night in the, you know, uh, in one place, or, or it was a Clarksville, Tennessee. Drive over to Cedar Bluff, Virginia, do one night there. Drive down to Prestonburg, Kentucky, and then on to Knoxville for the weekend. But it was clearly over a thousand miles of driving. Yeah, and you have to get up in the morning and drive your, and you know, and I did about, I did that for about, I did that for probably about three months straight. I said, I got to figure out a way to get the fuck out, off the road. And, and that's when I decided to crash Montreal. But, uh, and then, you know, later went to the comedy store and, you know, just kind of, that was after, that was after I, I had moved to Florida. I was yeah. doing all that and I was living with the girl down there and I was like, you know, I got to get the, I got to figure out a way to get back to Hollywood. Yeah. It's, it's, to- it's, I always say to people when I see them on the road and they're really funny, I go, just get, get, go to fucking Hollywood or New York. You just got to be there. Yeah. It's you, really hard to. Well, I think you can develop, I think you can develop other places now because a lot of places, I do, there was an open mic scene in, in Beijing. Of like you know English speaking really? comics, they're like fucking cockroaches, man. There's everybody because like you know there was an open mic scene in Shanghai. I'm going, this is fucking crazy to me. Comedians just you know just will perform anywhere and yeah. do anything, and, and it's like you know there's so many cats doing it now. I mean, like you know it's 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 weird, but it really has become like you know, and it's been that way for a while now. But I mean, it's like you know it's a viable like you know you can. Make your living just doing it. I mean, there's guys yeah. out there making a living that you probably never have heard of. Or oh, there's. I, I was one of the big things when I started doing the road is realizing, like, because I always thought, you know, like the guys who did the road were like you, GV, Kevin, like the guys that I knew on TV that I knew in Hollywood that just did the road also. And then I went and did the road, and I was like, oh, there's dudes that live in fucking Tennessee that do the road. There's dudes that live in yeah. Detroit that do the road. Yeah. Like, there's dudes that live in Milwaukee that do the road, and they're fucking hilarious. Yeah, and I was there's, like, a, there's a lot of guys out there that, that, that you know, you people go, well, I know, how come I never heard of you? But that doesn't mean anything. I mean, you, yeah. you people, unless you go, well, I want to go see a comedy show. I mean, especially with the internet, you can just Google somebody, and you can watch video on them. You go, oh, yeah, that guy's worth going to see. I'll go see that guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I was doing a show. There's a videotape on the internet. I didn't do it. This kid named Kevin Jackson did it, but I was doing Cleveland. I was in Hilarities, and I'm about 12 12 minutes in on my Saturday night first show 
and the fire alarms start going off. I guess one of the busboys upstairs, and if you've ever been to Hilarities, no. it's one of the nicest comedy clubs in the country. So I have been there, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't yeah, but worked you there. See, you see, but it's a $10 yeah. million. Dollar, I mean, the, the, it's a four-star restaurant. Downstairs yep. is a cabaret showroom. they got a martini bar. they got a champagne bar. And then they have the comedy showroom. And the comedy showroom is the engine that drives the rest of the business. He says the customers come there. They spend four or five hours at his club. They have dinner. They'll go see a show. They'll come out. They'll drink at the bar or they'll go see a cabaret show. Yeah. So it's like it's really kind of this great little club. But a guy was moving a stack of chairs and the sprinkler heads, you know the sprinkler heads? He knocks one out of the ceiling and it pops out and like water starts gushing out of this pipe, like 44 gallons a minute. Some ridiculous, and they got buckets under it and they're trying to move it, but immediately it sets off the alarm downstairs. And, and, and. And again, uh, everybody, please evacuate the building. I'm like 12 minutes in. The Saturday, oh, yeah. fucking crushing. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> man. And they go, please, everybody, leave. so we go upstairs. And the fire engines pull up, two fire engines. And there's construction. And they're looking for the shutoff valve. And it's, the whole audience is standing on the street going, when is this going to be there? We're going to be able to get back in. And Nick Costas goes, Jimmy, would you mind if uh, you could did the rest of your show on the sidewalk? And I said, Nick. <laughs> Let's just do it for the story. I completely, <laughs> I completely forgot that that dude was fucking videotaping it. And yeah. he cuts this whole fucking video together. I mean, I wound up doing my show, the rest of my show, on the fucking sidewalk out in front. Of, and the audience is standing there because what are you going to do? I go, it's fucking great. Let's make the best of a bad situation, people. God. And I wound up doing, I wound up doing like 35, 40 minutes on the sidewalk. And Tony Camacho was there. And I go, ah, now I can put Street Performer on my resume. And, uh, <laughs> but then... Uh, I, I said to Nick, I said, well, at least you know. I was trying to be I go, well, at least you know your system works. They called the, they called the, the alarms went off. He goes, yeah, Jimmy, that's what I want. A fire drill on my busiest night of the week. Yeah, around here, profit's a dirty word. And, uh, but it was funny. But actually, a lot of those people came in for the second show. They actually stayed. Are you serious? Yeah, because uh, what are you going to do? You got a showroom. Everybody's got to leave. And so he lost his whole dinner crowd upstairs. He lost a complete show. The people just got up and walked out. And they may have had four or five drinks or they had a dinner bill or yeah. whatever and just got up and left. And some people didn't even go back. They just probably said, all right, this is our chance to get out of here. We just had a free yeah. meal, which was horrible. I mean, I'm sure. But it was. But I wound up doing my show and this guy, Kevin Jackson, edited it, put it together and put it up on the Internet. And people come up to me and go, the only reason we came and saw you is because we saw this video on the Internet of you performing on stage and then... Fire alarms go off, and then you wound up on the street doing the rest of your show. I thought that guy's worth going to see. Yeah. <laughs> so, but people say that to me all the time. It's great that, that you had someone to do that for you because you're right about being a comic. Is now you have to be a jack of all trades. You have to have a podcast, write a book, develop a sitcom, write well, a script. Well, you got you know you got to have like you know you got to have three fucking sitcoms written just. You got to have your Twitter feed up to time. You yeah. got to be active I, on I mean, Facebook. I mean, it's it's a, it's a strange new world we're living in. I mean, but like you said, there's no reason. I mean, people if they go, who's at the club? Let's Google them. Let's find out and 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 but it's it would be nice to like get that like you know i'm sure you probably pack out places and sell tickets and people come back and see you again and again if they've seen you because you're, you're i'm sure you're like one of those acts that you just never know what the fuck's going to happen i have a lot of people coming back to see i have a lot of people staying for the second show or it's coming back sunday yeah yeah, Cause, yeah just because but but i'm so bad in that in that i'll like if i find out that someone's coming back, I'll make sure I do a totally different show. Right, right. Because yeah. I'm like, I'm neurotic about that shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, you know, but you're right. It's definitely not, it's just not about being 
funny anymore. And, kind of, and, could, and because of that, we now live in a world where people think if they put the social media before the act. So a lot of guys put the, you know, the yeah. cart before the horse and go, hey, I got all these Twitter files and I'm a superstar. But it doesn't fucking translate. I mean, if people show yeah. up to see your show and you fucking suck, then you fucking suck. I mean, they're not going to go back and see you. Yeah. I'm saying, you know, if you write your act first and become really funny, then you could do all that social media stuff. I mean, that's the really. the uh, I was talking to Zane Lamprey. Do you know Zane? I've heard the name. He did a show called, uh, I've mentioned him now, two podcasts back to back. He's doing a new show. It was just on Kickstarter that he funded. I had him on my podcast, but he did a show. Uh, he did a show called Drinking No Drinking Made Easy, but he did one called Three Sheets on. on, uh, yeah, yeah, on yeah, I've, I've heard that show, Three Sheets. I've seen yeah. that show. Yeah. So he. Uh, which is like, you know, which like David Tell used to do in Somniacs. Yeah. Kind of a, a version. Of, uh, it seemed very similar to that. It was, it was, uh, it was semi similar. Yeah. It was, and, and so he did, uh, he did a, t- a tour after that. And he, we were talking about it because I, 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 I had, I, someone had told me about him and I had followed a little bit of his tour and he did House of Blues all over the country and theaters and sold out everywhere. Like he was selling out, selling tickets everywhere. And I said, that's got to be awesome. And he goes, well, it was a little short-sighted in my opinion because I went around and then I, I don't think I provided that good of a show because the next year when I wanted to go to a tour, we just didn't sell as many tickets. Right. And I was like, yeah, I guess you only get that one shot to do a theater tour. You know, you really only get one shot to hit to when you go out and you say like, this is my presentation like i'm here i'm well, selling got, out yeah but if you got those people coming to see you i mean I, the one thing i will say about kinnison is that you know he went out he did he had this phone call thing he do where a guy got his heart broken uh, and then he would call it, yeah. the girl and it, and it got kind of weird because like you know sometimes people wouldn't answer you go oh, sorry buddy but so yeah and they made it so there was a girl backstage so you call the phone backstage and a chick would answer yeah and then you would just go off and make people to know but it would fucking brought down the house yeah and the next time he went out he brought a fucking band i mean he was always trying to top himself yeah with theater because people would i mean they would come and see him and he had four comics going on for him he had the outlaws of comedy there was a uh, uh, alan stevens me mitch walters carlo Bo. so he had four guys in front of him then there was an intermission and then sam would come out and do an hour and then he would close with something big so there's people really got jesus I mean, christ he really got, and, and those guys i mean carlo bowen and mitch and those guys they were all you know we were all funny guys i mean you know every, he's doing everybody's doing 10 or 15 or 20 minutes and uh and then Sam would come out and do a show, but it, I mean, he yeah. always would sell out. And even if he was a little slow, he'd do some radio. And that's where I love because when I was, we're on tour, you know, we pull in to the bus, unload the bus, and there's a limo waiting to take you to the radio station. And then you do three or four or five radio stations. And I would go with him just because I want to learn how to do radio. And I met, you know, I met Bob and Tom, and I met all these guys. And, Did you meet Ron Bennington during uh, that time? Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know if I met Ronnie till later on, but yeah, I Ronnie knew, B I, is one of my favorite. Oh, he's great, man. He's great. But, dude, I, I did a thing called Ron Be- We did the, the Ron and Ron radio station we did the Disciples of Comedy which was very much like a takeoff of, yeah. you know uh, and I think Sam was like the first guy to actually bring like a group like Dane Cook did Tourgasm or, but, yeah. but Kinnison and then he did the Kings of Comedy but Sam was the, the guy that was bringing like four acts out I mean I, I, was, I, said, to my, I said to my buddy I said man we, we were doing that I mean if they had the wherewithal to film that and show that at the time, that might have been like a really cool concert film. Oh God, yeah, yeah. But, it was, but, but who was on the Disciples of Comedy with you? Well, it was me. It was Carl LeBeau. It was uh, Dan Carlson. There's a kid named Jeff Apeloff who actually went on to produce a show called "Don't Forget the Don't Forget the Lyrics." He, he now he's a big television producer. Uh, I remember he was your roommate. 
Yeah, yeah, yes, yep. absolutely. Jeff is uh, was uh, was my roommate at one time. It's now he owns a million dollar house in Topanga Canyon. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I literally, I mean, that's like a Hollywood. Set. The dude went from literally, he went from sleeping on my couch, and I had, a, and, and my my I had a roommate move out. I said, just take the other room, and uh, he was coming down. But uh, you know, he's trying to pitch us. I said, just, and he literally went from on my couch. Two years later, he's moving out and buying a freaking house up in the Topanga. Jesus, it, it, I mean that I, I've seen that up close. I literally saw that up close. Like that dude. Well, I mean, you know, when you people say, "Oh, Hollywood," I go, "No. If you have, if you have the, the if you're out there pitching and writing, and this dude now, you know, I mean, uh, yeah. There, uh, who else was? Um, not to get off the subject, but it was uh, Lou, Lou Angel. I mean, we had a bunch of guys. It was Fez. The Fez was there as well. Yeah, but it was like you know it was almost like visual radio because they had all these radio listeners that would come out to the shows, and then you're doing stand up, and we were doing other like crazy stuff, like you know I have a marching band just come back through the back and just kind of march in, and it was like the, the show was happening all around you. It was like it was almost like I don't know if you ever heard of a show called Hell's a Poppin' where you know there's all this kind of like you know, the show was going on all around the audience. So that's what we try to create with that show, and it actually was really successful. We did like twelve or fifteen markets in Florida, and so like twenty five hundred sold out the Tupperware Theater on New Year's Eve. I mean, people loved it. People, it was great. I mean, I fucking Ronnie B is one of those guys. I can listen to him. He's great. He he's well. He's a real. I mean, that dude's like a you know real broadcaster. I mean, he's just his mind, the way his mind works. He's a uh, you know, and people if they they listen to him, he's got the Ron and Fez show on or, XM. Yeah, on, or on XM. Sirius XM. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he it was so funny because he was in Tampa. Then he was in. I mean, people talk about comedy. Radio is a tough business. He Dude. was in Tampa. He was in Fort Lauderdale. Every now and then, I'll Jackson. Google that. I Google the video of him and Ron Diaz breaking up on air. Yeah, that's a tough one. But you know what? The, my favorite video of his, one of the guys, the guy that the dude from the um, from the Hangover who gets left on the roof. Spoiler alert! Right. But uh, but is the same guy that was in National Treasure with Nicolas Cage. Right. He comes in to do an interview one time, and right. he comes in with this like like, and I and I'm I'm not talking shit about anyone. I'm just telling you how this went down. He comes in with this like douchey attitude, like right. hey, and they're like, how you doing? He's like, I'm doing. And they're like, okay. And he takes some time and he puts his coat off and he sits down. And he's like, yeah. And he says something kind of douchey to Ronnie B. And Ronnie goes, you know what? Fuck this. This isn't worth it. You need to leave. And the kid goes, I'm sorry. And he goes, I'm tired of this fucking Hollywood attitude. I'm taking my time to highlight your film. And this is my show. And you walk in and you fuck it up. And let me tell you something. It's not worth it for me. I don't give a shit. And the guy's like, hey, man. And he's like, no, I get it. You're fucking too big for us. We're just some low life. And he starts berating the kid. And the kid, Justin Bartha is his name. The wow. kid goes, the kid goes, hey, man, I'm, I'm sorry. And Ron goes, no, it's just, I, I get it. It's, it's just, it's over. And the guy goes, listen, man, I'm, I'm really sorry. Can we, do you think I... I, we can apologize and get past this. And Ron goes, I don't know. We'll see. And so he's like, he's oh, like, he does it, uh, this is this all on air. This is on air. And oh, he goes, dude. he know. Let me tell you, man, Bennington. Boy, and they he, turn he, it around for the greatest fucking interview. Yeah, the kid, literally. That's one great thing about Justin Barthes. He's like, I'm sorry, man. I'm really sorry. I'm yeah, but up. Ronnie's a, Ronnie's a great fucking interviewer, dude. Yeah, he's a great interviewer, and he's a great broadcaster. I believe. I remember he would do the best interviews on the old Ron and Ron show, and even like just to create the drama around because it was yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, he, he gets that, man. He does that real well. He's fucking great. Yeah, and actually, he was doing another interview show. Wasn't he doing another interview uh, He's show? doing one on XM with uh, with just comics. It's uh, behind the... 
Yeah, behind the laughs or something. Yeah, or, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I want to see that. I, I wish that was. I wish that was a series I could get. I, XM is not. I, I feel like has not provided their content. Well, easy Ronnie, enough. Ronnie was like the big, big guy in Florida. I mean, he had a comedy club down there. He had a radio station. Coconuts down there. was that it? No, it was Ron Bennington's comedy. Yeah, scene. yeah. And you know, Larry the Cable Guy got to start with those guys. I mean, kind of busted him out a little bit. Yeah. But Tom Rhodes is from down there. Uh, Billy Gardell was from Jim down, Brewer. Jim Brewer. I mean, it was you know Daryl Hammond. I mean, you know, Ronnie gave a lot of start to a lot of a lot of cats just doing his radio show and That's doing his club great. and then it became the Ron and Ron Radio Network and it was all over Florida and it was a big deal I mean you know Ronnie's responsible I mean he was it's even so funny to this day I mean you could see Ronnie's influence in a couple of guys that perform they go oh yeah you know you go, if oh. I could take a time machine you think about this if you could take a time machine for one evening uh, beginning day to end for 4th of July Take a time machine for the 4th of July. Just conceptually picturing that would be one of the greatest. And where would you go back to 1776? I would I would have to go to 1776, (laughs) right? That would be one. A couple stops along the way. I'm going to 1777. The day after, the year after where they get the party down. That's that's, that's, right. You know, still cleaning up, still cleaning up people's wounds. Yeah. There's still blood on the battlefield. Where are the fireworks? fireworks? (laughs) No one's barbecuing? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's hilarious, but uh, yeah. And I, where but else I would, would I would go to the eighties, right? You like visit I, the eighties. Oh, uh, I go to Clearwater Beach or like some like Clearwater Beach in the eighties or like Miami Beach in the eighties. Now, would you grow a mullet out for that trip? Fuck yes, uh, dude. I got a I got a picture for you, bro. You want to see a picture? Uh, this, <laughs> you want to see? I'll show you this. It's on my freaking phone, but you'll love it, dude. This is total. Uh, uh, it's priceless. Uh, 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 where is it? Oh, there you go. All right, that's uh, that's me and Joan Rivers, and that's backstage at the Dunes. For look a at that. second, I almost said, "Which one's Joan Rivers?" Oh, look at that hairdo! Shut the fuck up, bro! Look at it. it's Daryl Hall. It's Daryl Hall, Jesus, bro. I got you had great fucking hair. <laughs> you had I great did, hair. Look at that mullet, bro. Holy that's shit! A world, shirt that's a tucked that's, in. That's that's a that is a state. Joan fair. Rivers looks great. She looks. Better. I I, th- I think she looks better now. Yeah, she's had some work done. All right, and here's the other. Here's my other favorite shot. This is me, Robin Williams, and Sam Kinison on stage improvising in the original room at the Comedy Store. Holy shit! Yeah. That's that's the essence of and that. And they're time. both looking at you. Yeah, and I'm doing a we're doing an improv. And they were Shut just kinda... the fuck up. Yeah, dude. How great is that shot? Oh, that's going up at your funeral. That's uh, a funeral picture. Is that a that's funeral a fucking that's a great that's one of the like defining moments. Oh no, it's a, it's a great shot. I mean, I That's I, fucking I had, amazing. Had a ton of of stuff that, you know, those were the kind of moments that you would have like back when when comedy was booming like that. I mean, Robin Williams come in. I watched Richard Pryor come in and he would come up on stage and he'd do like 5 minutes before, you know, hey everybody and, and shut the and then fuck he would up. Build, and you know, you got to watch Carlin come in and do his main room sets. He's working on a new Hey, fucking's legal. Selling's legal. I can't sell and fucking be legal. You know, but I mean, it, you know, Carlin's my hero, man. I love George Carlin, but I got to meet him. I got a picture of, dude, you want to, I, oh, I'll see if I can't find this pic for you. But this is me and Carlin, and dude, he can't be, Carlin ain't that, uh, it's on my Facebook page, people go check it out, but it's me and George Carlin, backstage main room, comedy store. God, he looks 
I mean, he's got all his hair. He's got like a full beard. He's wearing glasses, and and it's like you got to watch these guys. That's what I say. And, and watch Richard Pryor come in and take like he would start like doing like he would do, like go five minutes. And next time he would go up, it would be seven minutes. And then it was like eight minutes. And then it was ten minutes. And then it was fifteen minutes. And he just had this like sense of fucking honesty about his fucking stand up. You just go, God, man, this is fucking. You get to watch this process, you know, which is really cool. And I remember sitting there. I mean, Gary Shandling would come in, and you got to watch you know uh just all these great comedians i mean louis anderson dice uh sam kinnison oh, you texted uh, that picture of me and louis anderson yesterday oh i tweeted that to you oh you tweeted it that yeah, was, I, I was so i was dude it was where I, I was at the comedy store when i had my camera i always take pictures i got another one of sebastian and and uh, uh mike young and i'm gonna tweet them up i got all these i i, I took all these pictures and i just never do anything when it I, was I, so great i saved it and i was like i couldn't I'm, i can't believe how young i look i look like a child i have I mean, I, that's I, not that long ago. That was like that's got to be like it's got to be nine years ago. That's got to be nine years ago. No, it's right before Louis had his heart attack. So I'd say nine or eight years oh, ago. Wow, no kidding. Yeah, I, I, I think I had one kid, maybe. Like I had Georgia. Wow, no kidding. Oh, yeah. That's that's amazing. So uh, so yeah. So I, I discovered all this. I, I I just would take pictures. I bring my camera. I was you know, uh, and I just I was going through and going. Why, why don't I fucking just tweet these out? Or, or, the, I'm gonna, that was the greatest. I got that tweet from you. I was like I was like oh I wonder what's going on. I, I thought it was as soon as I, I got know, it. Here we are podcast. Yes, yeah, I know. And then Louis t- called me. He was like I'm in Vegas. Like yeah. and so now I was like it was such a great fucking. It's it, it's what sucks about this business is that you get almost you get like. Uh, you get disconnected from people when you don't work with them, but then when you do, you get connected right instantaneously. Yeah, instantaneously. And, and you know, it's funny because Louis was one of those comics that you watch, and he was just a great fucking comedian. Yeah. I mean, he, the difference between, he, he told me, he said, the difference between a good comic and a great comic is callbacks. And he had callbacks, and they yeah. were legitimate, like, boom callbacks and I said ah, that's that's interesting but I mean the information you get when you hang around with these world class comedians it's like even Paul Mooney I was talking to him about stand up he goes yeah you know you know, stand up needs to take place at like a kind of a slower pace like you know you're just kind of like you know you're mo- it's, it's almost like the difference between television and film like television moves really fast and film moves slower it's almost like yeah. hypnotic so you're up there kind of talking but he got great advice from a lot of guys Ian Shanley I said do you write clean or do you write dirty he goes hey i write what i write and i move the clean stuff over and then i do dirty stuff I and mean, but it's like you know you're sitting there and yakov schmirnoff was uh fucking performing back then i mean you got to say like harry basil and all these guys were just you know, God i mean it was it was uh it was amazing to watch just be part of that you know it really felt and it was always like you know it was also not only were you watching the best guys in the country but it was just this great social setting of like you know meet meeting people and i <laughs> God, back in the day, we're in a comedy store. Huh, crazy, man. Just insane. You've got to write a fucking book. I got to. I got write to. a book about all of it. Yeah. Like to, from, I want to hear. I want to hear about your dad too. Like, yeah. Do, yeah. you should do like. A, have you read Brewer's book? No. Brewer's book's really good. It's really good because it's not based on any celebrity. Like, it's not based on his celebrity, but it's it. But it is. But like, he talks about it because he can't help but. Right. But he talks about himself. It was right. a really great book. I was really kind of blown away because he talks about being in Florida and moving Florida from Jersey and going back to Jersey and meeting his wife and and yeah. and getting involved with like you know Saturday well, no, Night he, Live. Yeah, and, he was. Uh, he was. He's the Orlando. I think he was like. He, yeah. He well, he was from Jersey originally, right? And then I think he moved to Orlando. Uh, yeah, because him and Billy are buddies, and yeah. and, and also Daryl Hammond was from down there, and I don't know where they originally. From there or not, but they moved there, and that's where they discovered stand up yeah. and started performing. Because I told you, man, there were so many clubs in Florida at the time. Cowhead, do you know Cowhead? Yeah, Cowhead's in town. 
he was going to come over and then he was like and then I was like I was like Jimmy's coming over you want to come over to a podcast and he was like uh, and then I was like it'll turn into the cowhead show like right. it'll it'll be cowhead interviewing you <laughs> yeah, so we'll fun. be doing bits <laughs> uh, I, I did a show down there in uh, in Tampa I was down there and and I forget what happened we had to go back and do a show but yeah he's a good guy Here, cowhead. Uh, call me on my... Oh, he didn't have... Never mind. I'll call you in a little bit. He doesn't have cell phone service. We're supposed to go to lunch. What are you doing for lunch? Want to go to lunch with yeah, me Yeah, let's go to lunch, dude. Okay, let's go to lunch with Cal. What time is it? Uh, it's 12.30. Oh, uh, awesome. You know, actually, I'm, on a, actually, I'm on a cleanse. Oh, you're on a cleanse? Oh, you're on, oh, dude, I did that for like 15 days. Holy smokes, dude. I that. just started mine. Like, everyone's hearing this, and they think I've been on it a week. I've only been on it two days, three days now. But uh, but I, I did it for 15 days. I, I went from 244 to 218. And I I never felt better. My you know, I, you know what I was doing it with? I did water therapy. I did I did. You get up in the morning and Japanese do this. They get up and you drink a liter and a half of water first thing before you brush your teeth. You drink a liter and a half of water, which starts this flush. And then you wait about an hour, and then I would start juicing. I did that for four to do it. I dropped so much weight, and I felt so great. I'm actually getting ready when I come back from the Borgata. I'm going on a freaking total juice cleanse. I was I was on a tear. I did like four week tour, and then I got back, and I was like, my wife's like, you're going on the cleanse. Monday, I landed on the plane. She's like, don't drink on the plane, big boy. Your cleanse starts the second you land. And I, uh, oh, and really? I, oh yeah. And I, I came in. Look at I, you. I need to get a wife. Oh, dude, they're so good. I need to get a wife. They're, it's and so she made me a shake in the morning. And I drink my shake, and then I do. I did that this cleanse a year ago. I was two forty five. What's the cleanse you're doing now? The clean program. Oh, nice. Uh, I got. I was. It's nice two, to do that once in a while. Just clean out your synapses in yep. your brain. I was two forty five, and I got down to two. Got down to two oh five was nice. my lightest. Right, and then and then, I, but I lived around two two ten to eleven. Right, and then when I started this cleanse, now this is mind you, this is partying for no partying, living life for a year, like the way you would if you're on the road, yeah. all the time. And I started the cleanse, and I'd only I was only at like two twenty two, so I wasn't that far off. You know, I was I was still lower than I was higher, but uh, I weighed myself this morning. I've been on the cleanse like two days. I'm two nineteen. Right, it's dropping off. I'll get two nineteen is nothing. Do I look at I look at myself? I have pictures back. I go, I was two forty four, man. Dude, I was a beast. I was like a I was a fat fucking mess at 245 i remember getting on an airplane scale and then i and i had my clothes on and i got on the airplane scale i go what's everyone think over under and everyone's like 250 252 i was like shut up and i got clothes on a jacket and pants and i was 247 and i was like holy fuck yeah i was like and we were in hawaii i had been doing shows shirtless in hawaii i was on yeah. tv shirtless I, I, I almost didn't recognize you with your shirt on uh, <laughs> it's so funny i i uh that's so funny i uh I did that cleanse, man. I'm telling you, you got to do that every once in a while. Yeah, and that's why I do the Bikram really. The Bikram really kind of. I, I mean, I'd like just, to do that and get I'm, the shit out of my body. Oh, I'm telling you something right now. You know, it's one of the people call fucking yoga. I go, yeah. Try to fucking make it to a class. Yeah. I fucking dare. As tough, top fucking athletes do it. The guys in the NFL do it. It's that flexibility is what you know. These guys who play football is, the, is if they're that flexible, they'll have a long career. Yeah. I mean, that's that. I mean, uh, Jerry Rice yeah, used to have an off season. And work out that guys would fly out and work out. I mean, that guy played in the NFL 
for, for like, fucking ever. Yeah, forever. And you know, the average NFL career is three, three, three years, years two yeah. or three years. That's the average career. So you know, these. I mean, you know. So I started. I, I actually discovered that one of these NFL guys was doing this Bikram yoga and was doing one of these. I went, holy smokes! And when I was in Vegas. It's so funny when I go to Vegas. I do the exact opposite. Instead of going really? drinking and carrying on, like I went to. I was with Eleanor and, uh, and Steve Simone, and yeah. they, they took me to church. I went to a Catholic church, and the, and the priest comes out in his Vegas like, dun, 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 dun. the guy's got a live band. It's like freaking Elvis, and the priest comes out. Dun, 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 dun. The priest was like an Elvis impersonator. He comes out, and, you, know, you believe in the body of Christ, man? I, I do. All right. Instead of communion wafers, we went away deep fried banana peanut butter sandwiches, man. When you go to get your communion, you have to go hit me. <laughs> hit me. A stick, some sticking, but yeah, and then uh, and then uh, but then I was doing with my buddy uh, Claude Shires, and he was into it too. So we did like four days of Bikram. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, and that's when I got kind of hooked on it. I did a couple of times. They got one right over in Studio City. Really? Yeah, it's not it's not it's not bad. It's, it's probably it's uh, uh it's probably less than a mile from here, but it's great, dude. I, you do the first class, you're going, oh, holy shit, this is. Horribly hard, and you know I'm breathing in fire. I'm breathing, and but you know what the thing is? Then you get hip to it. I would freeze bottles of water, and I would take them out that morning, so it's ice cold water. And one was for pouring on me, and one was for drinking. Oh, and you, and dude, you would be drenched. It was like you would be, you would come out of from yoga like you had just jumped in a fucking pool. You were drenched. I fucking and, love that feeling. Yeah, d- dude, believe me. It, you know what it's like? It's like giving yourself a massage on the inside. It was, and I'm telling you, I, 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 to this day, when I get back from when I get back from uh, the Brigade, I'm t- I've already taught myself. I'm going on a cleanse. I'm doing a juice cleanse. I'm getting back in the Bikram yoga. I'm going to I'm going to Montreal Wednesday. Right after I have liposuction and a yeah. fucking nose job. <laughs> what? No. I'm going to Montreal Wednesday. Oh, you're I going up to back. Montreal? Which, yeah, for the first time I've never been. Oh, dude, you're gonna love it. I mean, it's not yeah. like it once was like back, but it, that's it what is. I'm afraid. I'm, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be Look a good at that time. That great pick. Is that you on Letterman? The Late Show with Letterman. Oh yeah, isn't that great? That's a great shot, dude. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I love your man. Justin. Stangle uh, grabbed it for me. He was like, Here, I'm going to call Cowhead because I know he's fucking going crazy about lunch. Justin Stangle grabbed it for me, pulled me off to the side and was like, take this, throw it in your backpack and we'll get you a shot, a screen save of, uh, of a shot of the fucking thing. It was one of the greatest. Hey, I'm, st- I'm talking to Schubert right now. Oh, okay. What's up, Cowhead? Hey, how are you, buddy? Good, man. Hey, well. you hungry? Starving. Do you have a car? Uh, why don't you come over to the hill? Uh, over, just take Laurel. Ca- oh, I shouldn't tell everyone where I live. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll text you my address. Come over here. We'll eat over in the valley. All right, Chip. Text me address. I'll head over now. All right, bye. Wow, nice. um, I was about to go head up to Ralphie's place, take a right. <laughs> yeah, dude, this is like right in my neighborhood, man. We should hang, dude. If you're around, dude, Brian. Here's what I always offer: people never take me up, but like, like a lot of times, Joey Diaz and like people just call and go, "Hey, let's podcast." Like Ralphie and Joey one night were like, "You free?" I was like, "Yeah," and they're like, "Let's podcast." So they came over and we just hung out here for like three hours, dude. That's the awesome. Casual you know conversation. The I, do? I, the, I go to the Wits at that golf, that driving range. So like in a, oh, you know, I just saw that the other day. I dropped my kid off for uh, tennis, and I yeah. go, there's a fucking driving range right here? Oh, dude, best driving range in the world. Jim Brown is always there. The, the Cleveland Browns running rack, that monster. He's always out there. Are you falls. serious? I run into more celebrities at that freaking driving range. Like, you know, that, that whole, uh, it was the, the Hatfield McCoys, that uh, History Channel special. Yeah. So I walk out there, and it's like about 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. I get a big bucket. And there's the dude, Mean Dave, from the, I just watched the Hatfield McCoy miniseries. I'm going, look at this. I said, you're, you were just, he goes, yeah. He goes, that's right, mate. I was. I said, you're fucking English? 
He goes, I didn't even fucking. He goes, yeah, I fooled everybody with that one, eh? I, said, I started talking. I said, was the limp your idea? He goes, yeah, the limp was my little touch. But I got to sit there. We were just fucking smacking golf balls out there. Dude, that Hatfield McCoys was so good. I kept wondering, why don't they make movies about the States? Makes movies just like that about the States. Yeah. You got to go? No, hold on. Answer it. Hey, Lee, what's up? It's a podcast. Okay, we'll see you there in a bit. <laughs> All right, bye. Nice. You got a yeah. I'm, I forgot. I'm, I'm meeting my uh, meeting my friend for coffee. Oh, nice. Yeah, my uh, she's a uh, an actress, but I, we I've known her for years. She used to be a waitress at the comedy store, freaking almost like ridiculously long time ago. Even before I got there, she used that, to be a waitress. But she's a, she's an actress, and I uh, I known her for a long time. So we're just meeting for coffee to catch up. I'm texting Cal my address. Nice. This is great, man. Yeah. A, I, we'll definitely have to hang, bro. You're like a mile away from my house. We'll to- yeah. What we should do, we should do a podcast, me, you, and Billy. Oh, that would be great. Because I know Billy Billy would never do a podcast by himself. But if you come over, yeah. the three of us can fucking talk for hours. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's... Uh- you know he's uh, it's it's funny because you always like you know he's like this become this huge guy now. I mean, it's funny because dude, I mean you like you I you think about that and I I remember I mean you know Billy was saying hey I'm mean, I think I'm gonna start I'll go do morning radio or something like I mean, that he and was like, he was he was uh, I would say a year from tapping out yeah and like he a year was from like, tapping out and that's when it. and that's when it happens man and I uh, dude and that story his story with the whole thing because he was getting ready with Judy yeah. uh, to go do this deal with Nickelodeon and you know and the whole thing. You don't sign the deal. It's like, hey, I can't. You know, it's a, it's a really amazing story. Yeah. And it literally, you could not be in a better position than he's. I mean, with uh, the cast of that show, the, with, with probably the one of one of the greatest comedic actors we will find out in history. She will go down as one of the greatest Let me tell you comedic bro, actresses. She old, actors. She has an old school feel about her. She reminds me of Carol Burnett. Yeah. She just does. And I'm telling you, dude, I I got I, I TiVo to Mike and Molly and I just caught I like I catch up on like I watch four or five of them in a row. And dude, I'm telling you, let fall off the couch funny stuff. I mean that's she's, a great show. She's hilarious. I haven't seen her in heat yet, but I hear she's great in that. I heard she's great in heat. Yeah. She's great in everything I've ever seen her in. And yeah. Mike Molly's great. And you know, it's like it and and I, I know they got a lot of heat for two overweight people falling in love, but you're like dude, that's the let fucking- me tell you something. Let me tell you something, dude. I think that is more real and more yeah. honest than anything you'd see in television. Look, it's like CSI. My old man goes fucking watches our show. He goes fucking crazy. They never let these fucking assholes fucking kick in the door. <laughs> CSI people don't carry fucking guns. You know, you got a cop, you got a cop on a show going, yeah, we're here for fucking day. Well, your whole fucking show is fucking phony. <laughs> the people don't fucking carry guns. David Caruso doesn't interview people. Yeah. He's a fucking CSI guy. You get in a fucking lab. Get your white coat on and get in a lab, fuckhead. Yeah. This is some fucking real police work. But you know, but now like people like people watch those shows. I mean, uh, I mean, just just to, like the you know just the, the state of television, like the hillbilly hand fishing, honey boo boo, fucking. I mean, you just watch that shit. I mean, that's like a societal lobotomy. Yeah. I mean, that is just for people who are like, you know, I mean, I, you, I go, holy smoke. I mean, there's got to be, you know, there's a, there, there was like three fake commercials on called the Tanners about people who work on their tans. It was all bullshit. And then yeah. it was like, you know, Long Island landscapers. And, was, the, and they almost seem like great show ideas. You're like, you're yeah, like but, you, see the, you see the horrible idea. That how fit- fucking crazy as in your fucking life and you're sitting there watching people bid on fucking storage lockers and it's like, and there's like nine different versions of that fucking show. What fucking makes me crazy about that is once you've been in production long enough, yeah. you know that that's impossible to shoot. 
That's impossible to shoot because there's too many logos. There's, there's, you don't know what's in that thing. There's no way you can open it. You're gonna have to strike all the fucking logos. So, so first off, there's no fucking. There's no. So reality yeah. television is not reality. I mean television. that shit. It's like, almost all scripted. We really. fight so hard to make our show real. Not fight. Not fight anybody. Not fight the network. Not fight anybody. Just fight the actual process of making television. Yeah. Because it's it's fucking impossible. You do a crash and you meet someone. You got to boom mic them and. If if you got to boom mic them, you might lose good audio on a great reaction because they jump up and down and the mic wasn't ready for them yeah, to jump yeah. up and down. I, I mean, you, and there's I no recreating it. And then what you're doing is you're serving a you're, you're serving a product that you're hoping people just go, I hope motion carry is through. I watched one of these fucking shows. Uh, I want to say it's like uh, Restaurant Intervention. Yeah, yeah. And they oh, go, Restaurant Impossible. Uh, not Restaurant Impossible. It's it's one with the, the gangster. The hey. Oh, I, oh it's, uh, he sets up all the secret cameras. Look what they're doing here. Yeah. yeah, he looks like a guy. He looks like a fucking. Well, I, I think that's the one. I'm not sure. I, there's one that's on that's on uh, Food Network that's really great. So uh, that I love the one on Food Network and the one on Cooking is really great. Yeah. But the other one, the one that's on Discovery or whatever the one. Yeah. The uh, that one uh, is I. I'm watching. I'm watching two people approach a bar, and then uh, and then talk about how it's hard to get service. And how they're, they're on a secret camera. It's so hard to get service. Where's our bartender around here? Where's our bartender? The bartender comes in. Clean audio on all of them. Two strangers walked in. Where the fuck are you getting audio from people that don't have mics on them? Where the fuck is that happening? You, it's impossible. Then they have the one guy <laughs> smoking drugs behind the dumpster. Who signs a release for that? Who signs a release? Where are you getting audio on him smoking drugs by himself? Yeah. Like no one in their right mind is like, you know what? Fuck your show. I don't want America to know I'm a drug addict. But they got the guy mic'd up to get in clear audio from him. Yeah, and they clean got the audio. Yeah. Oh, it makes yeah, me that's crazy. So funny. You, uh, you must fuck it. it must drive you because you realize how much work it is. Oh, I, look, I get it. No, I, I get it. It's it, what they've done is they've hired two actors to come in to try to get a drink, and they've also distracted the bartender right. so the actors have time alone to go. Where is? Or every yeah. time he comes up, where the fuck is this guy? Yeah, they do their like lines. John Tappernan's from Bar Rescue. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's it's so funny. Like, I, I was reading a, a blog. I was like, I was, I was uh, watching. I think it was season two of Louis or season three with he had on Doug Stanhope. Yeah. Uh, did you see that episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah, he played. And, yeah, and he talked about, and then Louis C.K. goes on a blog and talks about. Uh, you know what it I mean they were at the end of a hellacious shoot they weren't even going to shoot the episode and Doug had kind of read for, read for him over Skype and he shows up and he had such enthusiasm for it I mean it was really cool you see like you know but that, I don't really watch a lot of television I, I watch I, I, I watch a couple shows that, that I'll just TiVo you know what I mean you can see you know when a show's done good with reality and then you know when a show's done bad and you're just like and you're like look there's no way you had fucking there's no way you got all this shit hello is that her Yeah. Uh yeah, we could do that. Uh what time? Sorry. That's okay. You guys asked Okay. Me All right. It sounds it sounds good. Like. I'll see you over there. There's a problem in Laurel Canyon? Yeah, she's a little power problem in Laurel Canyon. She, I should tell you know, Cowhead. Just, just switch it. Yeah, tell him to come up Highland. He's up. He's up. Uh, yeah, he's up at Ralphie's place. So I think he's staying there. Oh yeah. Well, Ralph, well where's Ralph, how far is? Ralph? Oh, he's over on the other side of the hill. Ralphie's up on the top. He's up on the top of the mountain, I think. Oh wow! And Ralphie's going to love that. I rented, I, rented, I rented a house up there, up like top of Havenhurst, with this great view of the valley with a pool. Yeah. We did that for a year, and I was like, you know what? 
Fuck this. I, I'm a city kid, man. I need to be able to walk somewhere. Dude, I love living in the valley. Yeah, I do too. I, people give it a bad name. I go, you know what? You can kiss my ass. I love it. You can make a left turn and rush hour out here. Dude, <laughs> I love this. I go, I get, I walk my dogs. I ride my bikes. Yeah, it's a great neighborhood, man. I love this part, stu- this section, like, you know, Studio City. Show I rooms. love it. I yeah. love it, dude. I've, it's I've the lived best. here for years now. It's just, it's just, it's just my favorite. And I've lived everywhere in LA, but this is actually like my favorite part. Well, you know? whenever you want to come over, man, do a podcast. I'd like, even if you're just like, like what Joey will do, this is, and, and, and this is, Joey Coca, right? He, yeah. just, he just had a he just had a little girl, right? Yeah, he, just had, he just called me. He just called me like uh, twenty minutes or right before you came here, twenty minutes before you came, and he was like, "Hey, I'm walking the baby. What are you doing today?" I was like, "Nothing." He goes, "You want a podcast?" And I was like, "Sure." So oh. he's gonna come over at some point today. We'll podcast. But that's the way it should work. Is like you're like, "Fuck it, I got nothing to do today." Yeah, like, I, well, yeah, yeah. it's a, it was especially comedians. I go, I hit a bucket of balls and then let's go podcast. Ari Ari does that all the time. He'll he'll be like, "Hey, I just got done the store. We want to go. To, we're gonna go podcast. You want to go podcast?" You're like, "Fuck, why not?" <laughs> it's the newest thing. Yeah, it's the newest it's like we're at a radio. It's like it's like you get your own radio station. Yeah, you got your own radio station, and you got the you got access to the best talent in the country. And you wouldn't believe how like it's a worldwide thing, man. It's a little. I was in China, and people were talking about Death Squad and the Death Squad guys. Dude, podcast. Death Squad's a fucking Death Squad is a fucking movement. Yeah, it is a it is a movement. It is a I, fucking I mean, movement. You know what the funny thing is? I mean, these guys are really kind of like t- they've really kind of taken it to the next level with a, and it all stems from Joe Rogan. Oh, I mean, I well, mean, you know what? I'll tell you the coolest thing about that whole death squad movement is that uh it, it just happens to be the podcast i listen to as well like i listen to joey's and ari's and right. and joe's and and uh whatever red band puts out like he's got a list of death squatters the naughty show and, and like i listen to him and then i i one time i'm in scotland and these guys hit me up and they're like uh they're like hey the machines in town can we'd love to buy you a beer and i was like Okay, I'll let you buy me a beer. I was like, here's where I am. If you guys want to come in, they take trains in to the city. Yeah. They, I'm, I'm shooting. We get done shooting. I walk over to this bar. They're like, we're here. We're commuting through Twitter. Nice. We sit down. They buy me a fucking beer, and they're blown away. They're like, can't believe we're drinking with the machine. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I was <laughs> like, everyone does it. Like, it's not. <laughs> but then what's crazy is that, you know, it, there is this, like, hypothetically speaking, a fan uh, celebrity relationship that could happen, but what turns out is that we just start talking about the podcast that we listen to, and we're all talking about we're like we're all fans. Yeah, we're, you're well, not. Well, no pod, one's better than someone leads, else. Yeah, podcasting leads to, to you, if you're podcasting, you listen to other people's podcasts, and and you don't you don't realize how how far reaching that is. Yeah. I mean, when, when a guy comes up to me in China and goes, "Yeah, I listen to the I listen to Death Squad's podcast all the time," man, he goes like, "Oh wow, that's amazing." It's just how, and it's and it's all and it's all stories and friends that you know. So in a weird way, they know you friends and you you guys have friends in common yeah, so yeah. you can just catch up and drink beers and bullshit about like like I mean we sat down and they were and Joe had interviewed Bobcat Goldthwait and yeah. they were like did you hear the Bobcat interview I went no what did they talk about and so we just fucking end up talking about that interview and Bobcat and like yeah, it's fucking great. It's, it's funny you bring up Bobcat. I was doing Bob and Tom with him a couple years ago. He just came out with uh, uh, a movie with Robin Williams called uh, he played the the dad with the, the son that uh, uh, my f- f- world's world's best dad or world's yeah. greatest dad. And I, I, thought, I just thought he's had like a really interesting, I mean, he directed He's Kimmel. an interesting fucking guy. Yeah, he's really, he's really interesting cat. And you know, I caught up with him because I know at one time him and Kinison had a feud and I said, you know, I talked to him outside the studio. I said, you know, me have a kind of indirect thing. I, you know, I used to tour with Sam like during that whole time where you went, he goes, look, he goes, I, I, you know, I would get phone calls when he got fired from the movie. They asked me to come in and 
fill in. I go, no, I'm not fucking filling in for him. He yeah. goes, it was all bullshit. He goes, I never fucking, I guess I didn't, st- I mean, you, there was no way that those guys were even similar. It was like, oh, it was almost a, like a Sam created this fucking thing. He goes, I never had any bad fucking feelings yeah, for Bob, any of those Bob's guys. an interesting dude. I listened to yeah. his interview with Rogan and I was, and I listened to it from beginning to end, like, and you know, very seldomly do I sit for any podcast and listen to the beginning and usually I'll start it yeah. and then I'll, I'll get caught up doing something else and I'll pit pause and then catch up the rest on a plane. Right. But I listened to the whole fucking thing. I think I was driving too. It made it nice. Yeah. And um, he's just an interesting dude and the way he sees life, he's really smart. The way he talks is is so uh, real. That's a, and that's just something that a comic would only hear but like the way he fucking kind of talks about like I, it was, it was really a fucking fascinating interview. Yeah, he's an interesting guy, and he's out doing stand up, but he's not doing that character anymore. And he's kind of outgrown that whole. Ah, yeah, you know? yeah. But, but even that was an interesting character for a while. Yeah. I, think, I think he was from Boston, or you know, there's a lot of. And then he went to San Francisco, I think. But he, uh, even any comics coming out of Boston, I mean, Boston is one of one of those towns has such a really great comedy pedigree. Philly is just you. Kevin Hart, Tom Glass, and Paul F. Tompkins. Kevin, Kevin Hart is a Philly guy? Oh, yeah. Well, not to mention Bill Cosby. Oh. <laughs> yeah. and, da- and David Brenner. Oh, yeah, David Brenner. Yeah, and- I, haven't seen, I haven't seen David Brenner uh, do stand-up. I had a weird connection with David Brenner, someone that produced my TV show uh, one, a long time ago. Her boyfriend, her husband or boyfriend was David Brenner's manager for like 40 years. Yeah. Like his, and all she talked about was David Brenner the whole, t- the whole time we worked on this we show. Have a, we have a similar, we have a, we have the same, uh, we have the same, uh, agent for a number of years. And really? know, I, I met him at a party. He goes from Philly and I hawked out and I, and I just actually met him up in Vegas at a celebrity poker. Tour. My mom loved him. My mom thought he was genius because he was from Philly. Yeah. He's from Philly, but he, yeah. but he's like, you know, it's so funny. I, I was at the improv one night and some comic goes, Hey, you know, I just, me and you do a same, we do, you do do a similar joke. And he goes, well then stop doing it. And he walked out. I was like, what a fucking great thing to say to a guy. He's fucking, I mean, you do something very similar. He goes, well, then stop doing it. Yeah. I just walked past the guy. I was like, what a fucking horror. How do you fucking walk up to a freaking David Brenner? I said, yeah, I mean, you do a similar thing. Yeah, same, but it's, uh, yeah, it's funny, man. Well, cool. I, I'm i glad that you, uh, I'm glad it's so funny. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you posted that picture of me yesterday. This has been fucking great, Jimmy. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Uh, uh, where, where can everyone find you? Uh, they can find me at uh, Jimmy Schubert. I'm putting this. I'm putting this up next week. Okay, Any dates yeah, to promote? Cool. I'm, I'm at. Uh, I'll be at the Borgata next week at uh, at the casino. Um, they can find me at my website, my Twitter account. They can listen to me at T to Grin if you're a golf fan. Uh, you know, we just we listen. You know, talk about uh, we got we got Jim Fuhrer call in, Nancy Lopez, some like the PGA up. Tour guy, Billy Herschel called in after he had his first win on the PGA. So we got a lot of these. Like you know, it's just uh, you know, these it's kind of interviews you would get with these PGA guys because they look so uptight. And but on our podcast, they actually break down and tell some great stories. Oh, you gotta get Tom, John Daly. Yeah, yeah, we gotta get. Well, we're just we're, you know we're building. We only did, we did like sixteen episodes now. We're just trying. We're trying to get good guests and 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 you know it's a kind of golf theme podcast. It's really gotta fucking put the heavy hand down Regan, on TV. I do it with Dennis Regan. Yeah, and uh, Jackie Flynn. Yeah, and both of those guys are super funny guys, and and myself, and it's it's really kind of interesting. I like doing it. So if people want to tune into my podcast. You know, GV's a celebrity now. He hit that hole in one at we, that. Yeah, we just we just had him on. We just had <laughs> really. Yeah, we just had him on. He hit a hole in one. Yeah, I says is that your first? Lead? He goes, yeah, that's my first. Lead. He goes, I hit a hole in one. Before, but I had to retee my ball because it went in. Uh, but he goes, and I, I had the hole in one there. But he goes, I had a, and he goes, it's great to hit a hole in one while the fucking cameras are rolling because at the BMW hit a hole in yeah. one. 
That's pretty great. Yeah, he's a, he's a good golfer. I, mean, I got to get him on the podcast. Maybe yeah. we'll do a late night uh, bottle of wine podcast. Yeah, dude, that's what we should me, do. Me, you, GV. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll have Billy drive us home. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, you toured with him and Steve Byrne. Yeah, we Steve. toured with Jameson. Yeah, that, that, that must have been. I was there when Billy uh, stopped drinking. Yeah. I remember that night distinctly, and I remember wishing – I remember thinking – if I stop drinking with him right now, 10 years from now, while he's not drinking, I can look back and go, can't believe I've been drinking this whole time. I've been drinking the whole time. <laughs> and he's on TV, on fucking NBC, on CBS. Well, actually, the timing of that was perfect because all the yeah. other great stuff started happening. Yep. And, you know, you know, I don't know whether you go, you don't know whether you've been in, you know, because I'm like the kind of guy where if stuff's going good, I'm like, I'm backing off everything and just behaving myself yeah. and minding my people. He's accused, but he goes, you know, he goes that you would think it would work that way, but he goes, that's not the way it works. He goes, uh, you know, uh, other, you know, just uh, now you have, you know, excuse to go even crazier if you wanted to. Yeah, because you know? got good things going on. Yeah, but I, I have always been like, I, I've never, I, my philosophy has always been the other way. If you got nothing going on, and yeah, you know, you're shooting heroin in the back of the fucking billiard room, and yeah, whatever, man. And then, but if everything's going good, it's like, hey, everybody, how's it going? As Geraldo says, doing speed off a switchblade. <laughs> Off a switchblade. That just was such a real fucking. He said that in one of his hours one time. Yeah, and I was like, wow, that really must have happened. Doing sp- speed off a switchblade. Switch yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> God rest his soul too. Another another guy who was really funny. We'll we'll do this again. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, Jimmy. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.